Yeah, yeah, it's a Thursday. Welcome in. Wake up call. KB and Andy hanging out live at the Convention Center NFL Combine 2024. Chris Ballard, Colts GM, set to join the show. Uh, He'll do so at about 9.30 today. We'll get Matt Taylor on in the 8 o'clock hour. KB, a good morning to you. A good night for the Pacers. Nice win over your boy Zion Williamson and company. How are you today, sir? You feeling better? I am good. Your mic's not on here. Oh, boy. Uh, there you go. You got me here. I was like, well, good. well, my voice is really shoddy, I guess, on this Thursday. You sound better. Morning. You uh, feel any better? Yeah, I do. Okay. I, I, inching closer. I feel like I'm like Army Navy here trying to move the ball down the field with his voice throughout the week. Boy, you ain't kidding me. I'm second and eight. That's yeah. how I always feel. Yeah, a lot of clouds of dust here <laughs> as we try to get it to fourth and one and just go for it every time. Yeah, third wire-to-wire win of the season. And, you know, if you look at last night, it was jump on them early, answer seemingly every run that New Orleans did throw at them. And New Orleans threw several yes, runs did. at them. But the Pacers answered at every moment. And, and certainly we'll talk about Tyrese Halliburton as the show moves along, Andy. You'll see the stat line at the end of the game. And I think a lot of people that maybe didn't watch the game be like, oh, Halliburton had a really nice night and a bounce back night. Halliburton, was, he was struggling a little bit early in that game, and I thought some of that length bothered him early on and just the ease of the shots that maybe he was getting early in his season. I didn't feel like we're there last night. McConnell kind of had him had to set him up for a couple of open looks early in that game. But, man, you talk about a guy coming out of the bullpen to close it out. I mean, that was three up, three down. That was three strikeouts. That is exactly what you want from your star in putting that game away. Yep. And Halliburton did that as a score with the step-back three. And then he found Siakam for each of those assists to put the game on ice. And, you know, that's why you pay the dude 200-some million dollars because on nights where it's not – and, again, he admitted this after the game. It wasn't the prettiest night for him. He called it the struggle bus. You heard it on the yeah. check down there. That's what he and, called it. And I thought it. Yeah. that was a pretty accurate yeah, way I do to, too. to put it. But, again, when it's you-know-what time, and if you want to continue the pitching analogy, he might have scattered three or four runs through the first six or seven innings but he was Mariano Rivera when the Pacers needed it the most. Yeah, you know, it was a six-point game about halfway through the uh, the fourth quarter there. He comes down. He hits a jump shot. It's uh, three minutes to go. It's a three-point game. He comes down. He makes another shot. That was the big uh, one. Yeah. Two- that, that was right after McCollum had hit the three to cut it to three. And I thought it. he, you know, you just felt like it potentially was right. slipping away. And that was the patented Halliburton step back there. Uh, so, yes, 3-1 and one homestand for the Pacers. A really good balance overall last night. Siakam led them in scoring, but you know, nine guys, everybody scored at least eight points. And now they will hit the road for uh, a, a really critical stretch, beginning with the Pelicans Yeah, again, back in New Orleans. Uh, are, you a Nor- are you a New Orleans guy? Have the, have the I have Bowens never some, been, been to New Orleans. You've never been to New Orleans? I feel like it's always, are you kidding me? I feel like it's always been floated around as a bachelor party <laughs> oh, spot. But man. then it's like, well. You guys would have a great time. You, you know, kidding me? If we want want to just inject ourselves with diseases, we might as well just do well, that. Well, you would be doing here. that. You would be injecting yourself with diseases. Now, you didn't go to the Pacer game. I know JMV was there. Cam, our on-site engineer, he was there. All I heard was I was a few beers in. That's all I heard from Cam this morning, who did walk in looking a little tired. I don't mind. He did look a little bit tired. Now, did you throw a few back at Hinkle? Uh, I did. You know, for the last, you know, we've been talking about how the entire show has been sick. 
So, you know, I was like, my wife's like, you are leaving this damn house. You have been sulking for two weeks, week and a half, two weeks around this house. So I went. Uh, I was in the, thank you to Drew and company. I was at the, the VI, is the Waldman room? Is that what they the call Wildman it? The Waldman room. The, yes, there uh-huh. you go, the, the VIP room. So I might have had a little little uh, Woodford and ginger ale perhaps nice. last night. Well, uh, no wonder Louisville and Ricky P uh, <laughs> ran Butler out of their own building now the, in the second the, half. They, they all caravaned up. They hit Tony's beforehand is what the Rick Pitino uh, mafia did, if you will. And uh, yeah, I saw some people I hadn't seen for a little bit. I sat next to, uh, remember Luke Hancock, most valuable sure. player of the, oh, yeah. uh, the Final Four. He does some ACC Network uh, stuff. Oh yeah, he does. I sat next to him. Some Butler fans were giving him the business. He gave him the business back. Uh, yeah, but boy, Boy, Butler, laugh, Butler boy. boy. Uh, okay, yeah. Two and six month of February. F- five in a row, six of seven. They're going to have to win the Big East at this point. Andy, I go back to that Marquette game. Remember the Marquette game a few weeks ago when they had a chance there late? Yep. They, they had made kind of a furious rally. I think it, they even had the ball maybe tied with about two minutes to go. And Marquette then made the couple of plays to ice it. And we sat there that morning after the show and thought, man, great opportunity. It's kind of a house money right. game. You know, not, Butler not won gonna, at Creighton. Not going to hurt you. you know, Butler won at Marquette. Right. Uh, they'd beaten Providence. You know, like those types of wins had given Butler the opportunity to play with house money. Oh, boy. Now you look at the preciousness of what I know. A, a, a college basketball season can provide. It's five straight losses. They have certainly played their way out of the NCAA tournament. And now they not only need to avoid disaster their final two games of the season, but you're going to have to get on a serious run at Madison Square Garden to uh, get back into any sort of tournament conversation. And, and just really poor second halves at home. We saw it with Creighton a few weeks ago. Yep. Uh, and then you certainly saw it last night. Yeah, with they St. just John's got blitzed in the second just half. Just dominating just that game. Blitzed. They are up six at half, St. John's, but still. I uh, just ran away from Butler in the second Yeah, half. so it was fun last night. Appreciate everyone uh, with the hookup. Hinkle's just, you know, it's a great place to watch a college basketball game. I mean, it, it really is. It's a it's a fiber of college basketball, uh, if you will. So that was a lot of fun last night. Uh, Pacers, a very good win. You know, back-to-back times now, back-to-back games where I thought Siakam has really taken his game to the next level. You saw Halliburton finding him in the final couple minutes to kind of put the game on ice. And, you know, one thing, you mentioned length. You know, because Obi Toppin was playing so well, you know, they went Turner, Siakam, and Obi Toppin in the game. I wonder how much, you know, they practiced that. You know, that's a really big lineup um, for uh, for Rick Carlisle uh, and company. Again, to set up the show, we're hanging out here at the Combine. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, going to join us coming up uh, at about 8.30 or so. Interested, you know, uh, all the, the Colts people have been talking a lot to uh, the guests around here, obviously, some of the media gas bags who are around here at the Combine. Interested what kind of insights he has on what they think of the Colts, what the Colts may do at 15. And then we're set. General Manager Chris Ballard coming your way uh, at 9.30. Any takeaways? I heard you go on yesterday in the 5 o'clock hour with JMV. Um, You know, we could ask about Pittman. I thought he said the right things about Michael Pittman. They can use the tag. They don't have to use the tag. Um, He will be here this coming season. I I saw that be a headline. I never have been worried about Pittman playing here this season, but it's always been, hey, is it going to be under the tag? Will that be the story this season, or will it be, um, you know, under uh, under a long-term contract? Contract. Otherwise, he talked about Anthony Richardson. He, I thought it was an interesting.
interesting answer, and we'll play this sound as we go today. I thought it was an interesting answer on the wide receiving core. He looked back at the, was it the 2020 when Pittman was drafted? Um, Pittman was the eighth wide receiver drafted. That was a loaded class, yeah. by the uh, way. That was a loaded yeah, Justin class. Draft class yeah. um, CeeDee Lamb was, was a part of that. And so he feels like this class also uh, might mimic that a little bit. I thought those were some strong words uh, as that was such a great class with probably, oh, I don't know, three, four guys who might end up in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, the question I had Pittman related from Ballard yesterday, how definitive would he be? Damn definitive was the answer. And Michael Pittman Jr. will be a Colt in September 2024. He made that very clear. Again, the how of it. We're now five days away from the franchise tag window. Still remains to be seen. So, you know, maybe just a couple loose ends to tie up on Pittman when he joins us here coming up at 930. Uh, certainly you brought up White out. You know, he, he expressed, I think, some regret and maybe the lack of support he gave Reggie Wayne and that offensive staff at that position, which is certainly music to my ears when you talk about um, just the need to continue to bolster that position moving forward. And they knew that all season, by the way. I mean, we talked about sure, that. If sure. Pittman goes yeah. down, they're in trouble. And what happened? When right. he went down, a while, when yeah. he went down and they played Atlanta, mm-hmm. what happened? Yeah, disaster ensued. Uh, boy, yeah, I mean, to your point, Andy, he is gushing about the wide receiver draft depth here in 2024. Um, so certainly is very high on that. I, I nodded my head at a lot of the Anthony Richardson uh, rehab answer. Again, we'll play that clip coming up. I, I I guess it's a good thing he's ahead of schedule. Frankly, I don't really care that he's ahead yeah. of schedule. Like I don't that, either. That doesn't matter on no. February 20th. Happy leap birthday to Tyrese Halliburton, by the way. Oh, is it? A, know, he's, oh. A, he's a leap day birthday. Oh, is he really? Okay. Uh-huh. Did you have any of those back in the old elementary days? I, I don't believe so, I mean, no. you would treat these kids like they were literally <laughs> the, uh, you know, the leader of the United Nations walking through school when they finally got to celebrate their leap yeah. day birthday. I was a July, I was a July birthday, so the oh, last so day. So no one even cared so about So the you. last day of school, they just listed us off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, happy birthday. You know, get the hell out of here. See you in three and a half months, basically. Yeah, that's basically what I got. <laughs> yeah, that'll be rosy uh, as, a, as a June 12th. But um, that, that is something that, again, I, I, I thought, I agreed with Ballard on. It's like, yes, I mean, certainly it's it's good news that Richardson's ahead of schedule, but you got to be patient, and you, you have to naturally have the scar tissue from Andrew Luck, and uh, the good news is you don't really need him on the field in any sort of serious capacity for a couple more months. Um, so that answer there, again, I, I think he's a little bit higher on the tight end room than most are uh, internally for the mm. Colts. Um, I, I, I thought he shared that. Yesterday now, what do well. you believe with that? Because Greg Doyle kind of wrote about this where he's like, oh, he loves his tight ends. That means he's going to take a tight end. Or do you see it as, well, the ah, I like his tight end. He doesn't need to wait the, you know, waste the 15th overall pick on it. Yeah, I, I think the issue goes back to Dane Brugler's conversation with us yesterday. Um, and he went to Dane Brugler, NFL draft analyst. And you can go back to Daniel Jeremiah on Tuesday. It's not a good tight end no, draft it's not. class. No, it's not. Like, so if Bowers gets to 15, oh, maybe we have that conversation. But, again, that's not a guarantee. So if Bowers is gone, you know, do you invest substantially at tight end this offseason? Or, again, does Ballard look at it? And, I, and I've tried to reiterate this to our audience. He's drafted tight ends with relatively notable picks. For that position, if you take a tight end in the third round, fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, you do that in the last three drafts, that's a good amount of investment. And so I've been a little cautious to think, you know, what is Ballard? How does he view that position? 
Uh, Bowers, I think, is probably the unicorn of it all. But again, him getting there to 15 remains something. And this might be a little nitpicking with Bowers. And he, Brock Bowers from Georgia is going to meet the media here coming up in a, in a couple of hours. Again, today it'll be defensive prospects start work, working out. So we'll, we're now in the stretch of the four days of workouts here, quarterbacks and wideouts coming up on Saturday. You know, Bowers is not going to be a height weight guy. He's not this basketball player at tight end at all. He's not the power forward. We know Ballard is crazy obsessed with measurables. Does that all of a sudden, does he sit in a room? And I know a lot of people would laugh at this comment. But does he sit in a room, Andy, and say, you know what? 15 overall for a guy that doesn't meet the height weight requirement mm-hmm. in my eyes, that's a little too rich. It's a little too much, right. You know, and, and again, I, I, you I think easily, it's worth the conversation. You can yeah. pop in the Bowers film and say, you know what, Chris, there's exceptions to the rules. And then he might counter and say, that's fine. I don't view 15 overall as a time to make an exception of the rule. So again, Chris Bauer going to join us here at 930. We will play some of those audio clips from his conversation with the media yesterday throughout today's show. And voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, he is going to join us here coming up uh, in a little over an hour. Yeah, who's Mayte talked to? He listed off, what, Charles Davis, Solomon Wilcox. I mean, they've been talking to everybody. Every time I'm in the room, I look over that table. He's got got a big-time guest. Plus, we need to find out, yesterday, towards the end of the show in the 9 o'clock hour, there was the summit of AFC South play-by-play guys. And I kind of need to know I kind of need to know what's going on there. I mean, just last year, uh, who's the Texans' play-by-play guy? Mark Vandermeer, uh, right? Yeah, Vandermeer. He was the, you know, he's kind of the kids' table. Now look at him. He's got C.J. Stroud, and he's feeling pretty good, right? Well, now he's the I big think, guy at the table. I think all four of them, the, <laughs> the chess is popping out a little bit yeah, more with the a little bit situations in the AFC South yeah. and how it's changed. And Dane Brugler even said it to us to round out the show. I mean, Colts are a really entertaining product to watch now. Oh, yeah. And I think the AFC South. must see football. Yeah. yeah. And the AFC South in general has got a little bit more to that as well. So a lot to get to here on this Thursday morning from the Combine. Shout out to the Sycamores of Indiana State. I know it hasn't been smooth sailing throughout the month of February for them, but they did win in Evansville last night, clinching at least a share of the Missouri Valley for the first time since 2000. So important for Indiana State, continue to hold serve. they got one game left here coming up this weekend. Uh, get that number one seed for the Missouri Valley Tournament and try to win three games in St. Louis coming up here to avoid any. You ever been to Arch Madness? At large. I never have. I, have I, not, I, I would like to go at some point. But I cannot. I, for some reason, I feel like those games, and boy, somebody can correct me, they usually are on the what used to be Fox Sports Indiana, which is now Bally. Right. Uh, they used to be on that channel, and I always recall them like never really bumping up against Pacer games. So I've like naturally just watched a lot of Arch Madness, sure, over the years, and I just love the environment. Oh yeah, no, it's a great environment. I want to go. Yeah, I got a buddy who lives in St. Louis. I have a kid now, so I can't do things like that. You know, pick up and drive to St. Louis. Did Mason now. make it to Hinkle <laughs> last night? Did you put the big old no, headphones no, on? Him? No, we did not do that. It's a great question. When's the when's the earliest you have taken a child to a sporting event? Because I mean, that's been our thing. You know, me and my wife, our lifestyle changed from going out all the time to not going out all the time. And I I don't know. I did see like two babies there last so night. Mason is Hinkle. what? He's seven he's, months. You know, he's almost six months. Six months? Yeah. So we took Max. Mason was born in what month? 
Uh, September, yeah. So, yeah, Max was born in September of last year, and we took him to Butler Senior Day last year, which would have been hell. So it's about now. So it's about now. Okay. And Rosie was horrifically behaved, and Max was exceptional. See, I think that's probably – I think that's probably – Which I would not have thought walking into. I mean, I could not tell you how many times I went to the concession stands just begging Rosie just – Just to stop. Eat some popcorn. Just here's some some more Skittles. And here's popcorn. Here comes the Butler War song. Oh, goodness. Do you see the band? Do you want to go Pet Blue? Anything. Yeah, I would imagine taking a baby is easier than taking like a, a two or three year old or something like that. You know, because in a college atmosphere, it's a little louder. Oh, sure. It's a oh, yeah. Bit raucous on that end there. So, uh, Butler coming up at DePaul. That is the old free space game uh, coming up here. Ed Carpenter fires this uh, text to me. My firstborn was at Hinkle, two weeks old. Uh, what? No, that's too much. Is that a, brother? That CPS, brother. That's too much. I can't even. I can't even imagine. Everyone would look at you like, oh, look at that tiny baby. Plus, last night was just so cold. It's just so cold I mean, out. If you're going to do that, you got to get on the Simba cam. You know, you got to get Oh, the, yeah, the Simba know, cam. You got to hoist the kid up in the air. I think, we sure. might, I, think we, I think we might try a pacer game. I think, you know, I think we might try a pacer game, like a weeknight pacer game, not like a rocking Friday night where, you know, everything's on the line type game. But Hinkle's a good environment to go to as well. Oh, yeah. It's a good Hinkle one to break them in. Certainly one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite venues and love that it is in our own backyard. But an ugly one last night in the second half for the Bulldogs. So we'll talk a little pacers action here again live at the convention center it is the nfl combine things going to continue to pick up today uh, workouts for defensive guys you're going to see those times and, and, and testing numbers start to trickle out chris ballard is going to join us here live uh, at 9 30 so we'll certainly make sure to bring you that coverage on youtube on our youtube stream and of course you will hear him on these airwaves Oh boy, Ed Carpenter, baby, baby Bjorn went to the game. Oh, oh yeah, the gosh. baby Bjorn. Yeah, should build a statue of Ed outside next to Tony Hinkle for that effort, or maybe for you know Ed's wife, frankly, for that. Uh, Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, <laughs> uh, Cam, onside engineer, Mark Dykton back in studio. It is a wake up call here on 93.5107.5. The fan. All right, time for your morning check down. Reminder, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts at 8.30. Chris Ballard set to speak with us here on site at 9.30. Last night in Gamebridge, boy, a much-needed win for the Pacers. 123-114, that's your final. What would you say, KB, the third wire-to-wire win of yes, the season uh-huh. uh, for the Pacers? So a nice win there. Post-game, Rick Carlisle on the win. It's a massively important win. You know, it's this time of year. You know, each game has such has such great meaning. So, really happy for the guys. Um, and now, you know, we're, we're going on a road trip where it's going to be the same thing. Each game is huge. Yeah, Andy thought it was vital to jump on the Pelicans early. They uh, had plane issues exiting New York. They did not get in until 5 a.m. yesterday what morning. What a mess. The Pacers did that. They jumped all over them in the first quarter. And then every time, and New Orleans punched. I mean, give them credit. New Orleans did not just lie down. Every time they did try and get back in the game, they cut it to two. They cut it to three. Indiana answered They're a good team. every single time. And no bigger moment than in the fourth quarter when a C.J. McCollum three Cut it 2-3. Tyrese Halliburton, who admittedly had a a bit of a sluggish game up until that point, he hit one of his patented step-back threes. And then, boy, he found Siakam 
on a ball up the middle. I mean, that was a frozen rope through the middle of the defense for a layup there. Then a couple of other Siakam baskets to ice it at the rim. Halliburton, tremendous job closing that one out last night. So a 3-1 and one homestand for the Pacers. Again, six of their next seven now away from home. And a happy 24th Leap Day birthday to the one and only Tyrese Halliburton. Boy, what do you get him? He's got everything. What do you, you get him uh, like a Gucci shirt or something or a, like an outfit, like a new outfit? Because, I, I mean, I, he's like the outfit I'm guy be the now. last one to pick out his fashion. He's got the, you know, like the, the furry elbows and the furry. Is that his Daniel fur, Tiger Grand, the, Grand Pair, well, the, the outfit that the he wore for Grand The thing is, and Dustin DePirac tweeted this out, he has two of those. He has one of, he has his long, you know, it's a long gown. Well, you never know when you substitute well, exactly. teach, you know, multiple days in a week. He's got one that's got like a, like a tiger print on it. He has one that's all black. So uh, he went and said, I'll just take two of those. I really hope Tyrese Halliburton is not somehow awake right now listening to us Yeah, I'm sure he's not. The fashion, maybe no. an, a, an early trip to the airport before. Before they head to New Orleans for tomorrow night. All right, speaking of basketball, last night at Hinkle, Andy Sweeney was in the building. Uh, that did not help Butler whatsoever. Uh, very unspirited second half from the Bulldogs. That is now five straight losses. They are in a definite tailspin right now. They have played themselves out of the NCAA tournament, and they've got two regular season games left. Certainly those matter to a degree, but they're going to have to get on a serious Big East tournament run, something they have not done if they're going to want to hear their name called coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, besides, besides Brooks and Alexander, there wasn't much there. Uh, pretty yeah, balanced. Posh played pretty well against his yeah, former team. Yeah, pretty balanced scoring from St. John's, so we'll see if uh, Patino has a chance ever since he dogged his team. They've won now three in a row. Let's give you one Chris Ballard clip, and then we'll keep we'll keep it moving. Uh, we, have, we have tons we can get to. Again, Ballard will join us at 930, but I know there's four or five things you want to get to uh, specifically. I think the main takeaway, and we'll ask about it at 930, as well. Michael Pittman Jr., uh, those contract extensions, the franchise tag, everything that goes into it. Here's what Ballard had to say yesterday. We've had talks with his agent, who's really good. His agent's uh, been doing it a long time. He's really good at what he does. Um, we'll work hard to get a deal done. It's a tool we have. Uh, I'm not going to say we're not going to use it, but I'm not going to say we are. Hopefully we can come to an agreement <laughs> and find some compromise on a deal. And again, that clip is not the definitive answer that I'm talking about. There was another uh, Ballard response in relation to Michael Pittman Jr. that uh, he will be back with the Colts in 2024. The how of that, like we've said now for about the past week or so, remains the question. Five days left in that franchise tag window. Plenty more on the Ballard front we'll get to. On the other side, did want to make sure we give a shout-out to the Fighting Sycamores of Indiana State. They win in Evansville last night, 85-67, and they have now clinched a share of the Missouri Valley regular season title, the first since 2000 for them. So I know it's been uh, not the smooth sailing everyone was hoping for uh, once they got their first ranking a couple weeks ago. But nonetheless, pretty special year for Josh Schertz and that bunch. 85-67 winners over the Aces of Evansville last night. They can win out right on Saturday, right? Over the yes, weekend, I believe they, they have can. a game lead over Drake. Did Drake yeah. win last night? I'd have to look that up. I do uh, not that know. That was a team that was right behind them. So trying to clinch the number one seed there. Did I just see Charlie Weiss walking? You did. That's your guy. A decided schematic advantage. Mm-hmm. Where's his son coach now? 
He's not in Notre Dame, is he? We're now he we're with whispering. Lane Kiffin? Is that where he was? Yeah, I couldn't remember. By the way, speaking of Lane Kiffin, do you see Jackson Dart, the quarterback, what NIL deal he got? The private jet NIL deal. Shout out to him. Go ahead, Mark. I hear you back in the studio. I was going to say, Drake, Drake did win yesterday in triple overtime against UIC 107 to 105. Wow. wow. Boy, that's not the, what I expected Mark Dighton to say. That's not what I – man, I thought he was something on the private jet. Can you imagine your buddy having the private jet for spring break? Oh, man. That's great. A little different than cramping in the car and trying yeah. to get to Panama but City. Much different than 19 – when it was uh, Tom Coverdale, 19 guys from Noblesville, yeah, all loaded exactly. in a Holiday Inn Express. Exactly. All right, on the other side, plenty of the Chris Ballard audio that we will get to and recap in some of his comments from yesterday. Again, we are live here at the Convention Center Thursday of NFL Combine Week. That also means the start of workouts. So 3 o'clock today, NFL Network coverage begins. Defensive guys will get on the field starting to work out. Uh, You will have quarterbacks and wideouts coming up on Saturday. Brock Bowers will meet the media coming up a little bit later today. So another busy day here at the Combine. I'm Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, Cam, on-site engineer, Mark Dykton, back in studio. Thanks for spending this Thursday with us. Goodness, rest in peace to Richard Lewis. We were talking about that uh, before the show, Mark. I assume that's what you're doing there. Uh, yep. I guess his career really got revitalized, did it not? With curb your enthusiasm, a whole uh, other group of people, maybe an age group, kind of found you know, kind of kind of found him. But uh, how old? Seventy six. Died of a heart attack. Wow, was he, that old? he was having some pretty massive health issues. He'd been yeah, off the was. last few seasons of Curb because he was diagnosed with Parkinson's and all that stuff. But since yeah. it's their final season, he was in the last few episodes. And quite fittingly, he and Larry David in one of the last episodes we were arguing about who was going to die first because they wanted to they wanted to see who was going to get willed money from each other. And he's like, I'm not dying, you're dying first. It's pretty great. Apparently, Larry David put out this statement yesterday. You know, uh, even in a rest in peace statement, you know, Larry David sure. makes it funny and everything else. And uh, it was heartfelt. But I didn't know this. This is true. That And, Mark, you probably saw this, that they were born in the same hospital three days apart from each other. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah, I heard David, that before. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that is crazy, that is, is it not? Yeah. It's kind of freaky. I don't know. So uh, rest in peace there. Uh, all right, so Chris Ballard going to join us at 930. Matt Taylor at 830. I want to get to some of this Ballard sound, but uh, what else stood out from you yesterday? What uh, today are we hoping to maybe try to extract from the general manager of the Indianapolis well, Colts? I, Anything? I think, you know, our conversation, you can throw some elements, a little bit more big picture stuff with him. You know, I think when you get into those settings from yesterday and it's the first time he's spoken about a month and a half a lot of it can focus on short term and you know certainly the franchise tag window again ends in five days we're less than two weeks away from uh, free agency Uh, there's obviously a lot of combine centric questions draft related questions so I think it can kind of be a balance of both of those things of sure you know I've got a couple kind of loose ends to tie up with Michael Pittman Jr. and you know toss a Richardson question or two but you know also you can get into a little bit more of the big 
picture stuff from him. At some point, Andy, I don't think it's the most pressing thing in the world, but we probably should give some thoughts on that NFLPA survey. I know that was a kind of a big topic of discussion yesterday. The NFLPA, for the second straight year, uh, handed out 32 surveys, so basically players for their respective teams, um, you know, provide a, uh, a lifestyle. I, I, I'm trying to look for the right word, like a lifestyle evaluation of the respective franchise that they play for. Certainly the grades were not ringing endorsements for the Colts by any means. I'd say workplace um, environment rating, basically. Yeah, workplace environment is probably a good way to 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 put it. Um, you know, some travel questions in there as well. So uh, we can uh, share some thoughts on that because I know Bauer was asked about it yesterday. Real yeah, quick, did you can- see? Did you see the Bengals got an F minus in food? <laughs> what are they feeding them in Cincinnati? Do they Is it just skyline, skyline for every meal? Yeah, I mean that I was F minus if they win a game. Ugh. Skyline Skyline is uh that's like July radio somewhere but man Skyline is uh does it make you want to go to that bathroom over there? Yeah, usually it uh, probably does. Uh, the thing they were really docked on were the Colts. They got a D uh, in treatment of family. Uh, only 47% of the players felt like they had a comfortable amount of personal space during flights. Um, they also, the Colts players, complained of a cramped plane um, where they got smaller seat, seats and the staff got priority uh, on bigger seats. Uh, the other item. They went daycare at the stadium, Yeah, they went daycare. Uh, They're one of seven teams that do not provide daycare support for players' children on game day. Oh, welcome to America Uh, right now. There's a child care shortage. I mean, mean, part of it, they did ask the, the Chiefs owner got a D. And I was just laughing at that because they just won the Super Bowl. So I don't know how much. Now, I got would a, his daughter get a well? Would, would she well, get the same set, grade? Settle, or would, settle down. I didn't know where you were no. going. I didn't know where you're going with that. <laughs> yes, we'll just go with yes on that. I, I don't think. I think the average person doesn't give a rat's you know what about this. I, I have one percent. I, I have little care to be honest with you about it. Some of the grades they certainly eyebrow raise, but if you looked around the league, I would say. A lot of teams had some pretty poor grades in some areas. Some of the stuff Chris Bauer I know would push back on. Um, others I'm thinking, well, that seems like an easy fix. And, and obviously I joke about, well, I don't really joke about it because we do have a child care shortage in our, uh, in our country, but that's neither here nor, nor there. Part of me is like, I mean, is it that hard to find a you know, handful of people that can help out on game day and turn on you know, Bluey and Peppa Pig in a room at the basement of Lucas Oil Stadium? Are you right? I, I love how you do make it sound that, that, how easy it is. Just toss on, I was going to say the DVD player, but who has a DVD anymore? Such an old thing for me to say. I mean, let's Just get some blocks in there. Player. I mean, come yeah. on now. Can we get yeah. a couple spare footballs, yeah, maybe some get Nerf some footballs, balls? Get a train, you know? Come on. What are we doing here? The, uh, the best was... Head coach got an A+. So if you're Shane Steichen, you're like, no, these grades mean something, man. So they like Shane Steichen. Do we That's have the Ballard clip on this answer? Because Ballard wasn't he, he, he wasn't totally on board. Mark, with, it's not in my cuts. It's with, in the O drive uh, in the other ones. If Mark, you would be fine to let me know. Um, again, some of this stuff certainly didn't improve from last year. Honestly, a lot of it got worse. That's probably what stood out to me. I did like a side-by-side picture of the tweet yesterday of the yeah. 2023 rankings to 2024. So um, at the end of the day, I said this JMV yesterday afternoon, I just think it's a tad overblown. Like is any of this keeping the Colts from attracting 
free agents or keeping free agents, right. I would say no. Does some of it look a little poor and it's probably smart to try and clean up? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Again, I'm, but I'm, I'm not losing sleep over I, the. Old. I'm not too hot take on the, the things that I might care about. I mean, we all probably feel in a somewhat similar fashion about work environments that we have been in before. Oh yeah, and I'm sure yeah. these surveys would look very similar to. You want to do that? You want to do other, a you want to do a, a, a survey around the fan and see what's going on? Other uh, other companies? <laughs> no, no, no. Maybe, you you want to do that? Yeah, maybe maybe past you know past work environments. Uh, Chris Ballard again coming up at nine thirty. Uh, we'll get to some of that sound here in a second. Did you happen to see this worked its way around yesterday? Uh, it's not like a, it's it worked its way around the combine. It's not a combine story. Did you see the report? Uh, first of all, Miko Hardman who caught the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl, okay? He went on, what was it, the Pivot Podcast, I believe, with, um, with, with Ryan Clark, who, by the way, who I love uh, in the media, who is back at ESPN, signed a new deal His there. His son just committed to Notre Dame. Oh, did he? transfer, yeah, well, Arizona State. What's going on with all these sons of all these, you know, good and great former players all committing to Notre Dame? It's a 40-year decision. And what's going on here? Not a four-year decision. Have they, have they not... <laughs> It's a it's a brotherhood. You got Erlacher now. You got Ryan Clark. Who else is over there now, Kev? You got a who's who? Plaxico. Plaxico Burst. Oh, my goodness. We Mm -hmm. talked about that uh, a couple weeks ago. But anyway, so Miko Hardman basically made it sound like the Jets were so dysfunctional. Now, the Jets are dysfunctional. But he said he actually reached out to the Chiefs to come get him, to save him from the New York Jets. And then the story progressed yesterday. uh, And I know as many people around here, media guys uh, at the Combine, were tweeting about it. And this is coming from Connor Hughes of SNY, that there was a, quote, validated belief that Miko Hardman, when he was with the Jets, frustrated uh, by his lack of playing time and everything else, uh, leaked the game plan to the Eagles and the Chiefs. Now, the funny thing with that is, I mean, the the Chiefs game, didn't the, didn't the Jets beat, or, or they beat the Eagles, did they not? I think they beat the Eagles this past year, but Sauce Gardner of the Jets and a couple other players put him on blast uh, believing that he leaked the game plan of the Jets. And now you can fill in the blank there of your own joke about the game plan of the New York Jets. The Jets. <laughs> and honestly, McCall Hardman got the last laugh, so you know what? Did he not? Then uh, he got saved, and then he caught the game when he touched In a very snaky way on that. Uh, I would say one of the ballad comments that stood out to me the most from yesterday was he is uh, gushing high praise on this 2024 draft class when it comes to the wide receiver position. Um, Mark, cue, the, cue that clip up. Here was Ballard yesterday talking about the 2024 wide receiver draft. That'd be yeah. clip five, Mark. Good. It's depth. Yeah, a lot of depth um, at every level, as a matter of fact. No, it's really, it's strong. It's a really strong class. And I think every year, I mean, I don't know if you see them as strong as this, but I compare it almost like when Pitt came. I mean, that year was really good with, you know, and Jefferson and Ayuk and Pitt. Um, then the upper part of the draft, I mean, I think uh, C.D. Lamb was in that draft. I mean, it's a it's comparable. You know, when you hear those comments, Andy, I, I think first off, a lot of fans will probably like the tone of that certainly it sounds like the Colts are going to dip into it at some point Uh, but the question that you have out of that again is if it's such great depth does that mean that 
15 overall is where you start to tap into that. And that's the debate that I've tried to get in with, like, you know, Dane Brugler when we had him on yesterday. Go back to Daniel Jeremiah Tuesday. You know, at 15, do you look for where the scarcity is? Is scarcity more at edge rusher? Is scarcity more at corner? It sounds like corner has got some pretty good depth, to be fair. But that's, I think, the question you have is, you know, do you go a position where it's a little lighter on the shelf at 15, but it's still a very important position to you, and then do you come back in the middle of round two, and do you find that wide-out depth and, and, and try to, you know, bolster that area with that? Because, and Dane said this to us yesterday, I mean, until Mason Sweeney has armpit hair, there's going to be great depth in these wide-out yeah. classes. I yeah. mean, that, that's just how the game... He basically said, from now until the end of football, we're going to look at yeah. it and say, boy, there's a bunch of good wide receivers. This is where the game has changed right. and really evolved. So... Uh, again, it sounds like the Colts will dip into that at some point. Uh, Ballard, I, I think, offered a decent amount of regret for not uh, giving Reggie Wayne and this offensive staff more wide receiver help last year. You know, He brought up the Ashton Doolin injury. Um, it still seems like a lot of eggs to put in the Doolin basket to have him as your real insurance policy. But you know, I, I think it's fair to say they kind of ran Pittman and Pierce into the ground with how much they needed to play them last season. Some would argue that you know playing Pierce that much is not what you want to do to begin with, but they just didn't have a lot of guys that they trusted at that outside wide receiver spot. Even Josh Downs, they played a lot more than – I mean, Isaiah McKenzie barely played when mm-hmm. he wasn't suspended. So um, I do think that's an area that certainly needed to be addressed in a more serious manner in recent off-seasons. I sound like a broken record with that. No one needs me to repeat that. But it does sound like Chris is a big fan of this year's draft class at wideout. Well, I know, like, I know you and him have had, you and Ballard have had the wide receiver thing. But in this case, you're right. I mean, I think they were, KB, they were fortunate. We went into that season last year. I mean, I just started. And one of our first kind of, I don't want to say a negative Colts conversation was they are so thin at wide receiver that if they sustain a injury, two injuries, there's going to be a big problem. And, you know, I thought Josh Downs had a great year, but, I mean, you saw Josh Downs really from, what, middle of the season, right around that New England. Didn't he play just a little bit in Germany, if I'm not mistaken? I mean, he went through... Yeah, had a big catch in Germany. Yeah, I mean, he went, he went through injury issues. He kind of hit a little bit of uh, maybe that rookie or freshman wall. So, you know, there are things on this roster that you look at and you say, okay, this is a draft. Uh, this is something that we're going to be able to go in the draft and figure out. There are other things you look at and say, hey, it might be a little bit more free agency. For me, and Ballard may ultimately disagree, I want to see a veteran at the corner spot. Again, at 15, he may see a Nate Wiggins uh, or someone like that. He would not like commit that. to that, by the way, yesterday. No, he wouldn't. I understand. And I understand. Being gung-ho as a vet. Yeah. I, 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 and so that that's just the way I view it. The wide receiver position is one that he is going to have to get something in free agency that a veteran in here who is better than Isaiah McKenzie, who's also not going to get suspended or fumble the football like Isaiah McKenzie, and then he's going to have to, I think, also uh, get somebody in the draft. I think for me, you know, 15 might be too rich for this guy, 
Brian Thomas Jr. out of LSU, the other, the you know Malik Neighbors on one side, Brian Thomas on another. Is that too high? You know, well, he is I seen think... as down the field, six four. Again, but he's a power forward guy. I don't right. know. So you might and, be turned off by that. That's the question I have. Is you know the type of wideout they draft? That's going to be a big tell on what how they view Alec Pierce. Um, you know. Brian Thomas, very raw, very young, like you said, you know, 6'4", great downfield ability, et cetera, et cetera. But to me, and what I've asked Dane Brugger and what I've asked Daniel Jeremiah is, find me the make-you-miss guys. Right. Find me the yards-after-catch guys. That's the skill set I want to see inserted into this room. Now, if they do opt to go more of the power forward, more of because that's the Ballard mold. The Ballard mold is Brian Thomas. That, that, that is his M.O. It's the height, it's the weight, it's the infatuation with the measurables. If that's the path you go, if I'm Alec Pierce, I'm shaking in my boots a little well, bit. Well, yeah, I, I think it tells you what you need to know. Now, Alec Pierce, I don't think, has done enough to earn the right to all of a sudden the Colts just say, oh, no, we don't need anything there. At the same time, I think Alec Pierce can say, hey, you've given me quarterbacks that can barely throw it past 20 yards down the field on a consistent basis. So, you know, let, let's see what I can do with Anthony Richardson there. But, again, Ballard... Certainly a huge, huge fan of this wide receiver draft class. We'll get more into some of these clips. Mark, you said Jeff's on the line. Want to talk a little Colts draft? Yep. Let's get to Jeff here on this Thursday morning. Good morning, Jeff. What's on your mind? What's up, fellas? Hey, I think it's uh, edge rusher bar none. I mean, the, the offense really I like wasn't, that. It wasn't, it wasn't bad at all. Um, scored a lot of points. And, you know, Minshew had a great year, but he also missed a lot of throws. Um I don't really understand the comment about playing Alec Pierce and, and I get Pittman because he's kind of a more of an inside guy. He's getting beat to hell, but uh, you got to play Alec Pierce as much as you can play. But you got to have a rush. Quiddy Pay's been a bust. Our interior defensive line is really good. It's probably one of the best in the NFL, I think. But you got to get some pass rush. If you don't, um, then everything else I don't think comes into play. If you do, it just makes that team so much stronger. I, I think that's unless unless you go get Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, because I think he's a game changer. I think he's a top ten receiver first year out. Um, but other than that, you, you've got to go get you got to go get rush on on the pass. You can't take. A, I was sat to, next to a guy on a plane the other day that was a Saints coach, and he said, "You can't guess on blitzes. You're not going to win." But the majority of the time when you guess to go blitz, so you've got to be able to rush with four guys and, and go get to the quarterback. Yeah, Jeff, I think better chance Tiger Woods wins all four majors this year than the Colts trade up and get Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> Having said that, I could not agree more with the edge rush need. And Jeff and I, I'm afraid Andy are on a different island than Chris Bauer. I don't know if he views it in that light of the need there to dudes over scheme. You know, uh, can your four-man rush go out there and win? And, you know, I brought up this stat at the end of the season. Andy, of the 17 quarterbacks you faced last year, 10 of them were rookies or backups. You know, you're not going to have oh, that gra- luxury. It was a graveyard of quarterbacks. You're not going to yeah. have that luxury this season. First off, on paper, it looks nowhere near like it did last season. And naturally, injury luck probably is just not going to be in your favor like it was. I mean, remember, until C.J. Stroud – what was it? You got to go back like uh, Matthew Stafford to find the last healthy starting quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. Oh, they went that two. They had they went two months. You know, because right? Baker Mayfield yeah. got hurt early in that game. So 
that to me even adds to it of, yeah, you had a really nice sack number, but you didn't have enough consistent pressure number last season. It's, I think, part of the reason why you moved on from Nate Ali as your defensive line coach. Um, so to me, uh, that's where I would look. But, again, I, I don't know – and I'm a little worried, which is kind of weird for me to say because Bowd is such an advocate of trench play, trench play, trench play. Well, I, that's I'm but surprised I'm you're not, saying that, honestly. Cause, uh, but because when you listen to his answers, I know he's going to have. Don't you hear that? There's going to be someone there who is going to be considered a big time pass rusher at 15. I hope I'm if, wrong. If you think four quarterbacks go, right, and then, then at least three, if not four, wide receivers are gone by 15. Joe Alt will be gone, right? Joe Alt will, will definitely be gone. Um, who else am I missing? Probably at least one or two of the corners will be off the board. And then if I give you Brock Bowers is going to be off the board in those first 14 picks. I mean, add that up right there. Chris Bauer would get almost the pick of who he would want on the defensive line. Would he not? Yeah. I, I, I mean, Chop Robinson, Darius Robinson, Jared Gross. I, I just – Any of those guys. I don't know. He strikes me as someone that, you know, wants to – Well, you don't think he's going to take a wide receiver 15, do you? A little you? bit more on these young guys. I know, but, you know uh, – you seem conflicted this morning. I am. You seem I am. very conflicted. Which, you know, to be fair, is probably what should be you know happening. Um, I think when the draft gets a little closer, you know, in recent years, have you know, been able to kind of peg the Colts a little bit more than you know late February. Um, and obviously, you know, tomorrow or frankly today, what happens at the combine is going to be huge. I mean, today's a massive day for the pass rushers. Sure, massive day for the defensive line group. And Chris Boward, we know how much he's enamored with workout numbers and testing traits and all of that. So it's a big day for the Colts as they settle and firm up their draft board. All right, more of those Ballard clips will play coming up on the other side. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, 830. Ballard himself joins us right here at 930. Live at the Convention Center, it is the wake-up call. Yeah, thanks for waking up uh, with us. It's the wake-up call. KB and Andy hanging out with you. NFL Combine 2024. We get you ready uh, for the draft about eight weeks away. Reminder, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, going to join us coming up uh, at 8.30. Chris Ballard, GM, uh, set to join us at 9.30. Even though JMV wanted me to do this, I did not bring a flat bill uh, to wear along, uh, alongside Chris Ballard. My head is very much too small to be able to pull off uh, such a look. So I'm just going with my normal dad cap today. Ballard's on this got Thursday. that go-to hat he loves. Yes, he does. You think Ballard, you think it's the same hat or do you think he wears the same type of hat? I, I, I would like to think there's multiple of them. I feel like that's the only one I ever see him in. He shaved since we last saw him too. Got rid of the yeah, beard. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't rocking his hockey playoff He beard shaved the beard and he gave it to all, Matt man. Eberflus. Did you see Matt Eberflus rocking the beard now? Oh, I did yeah, not. Eberflus looked like Lovey Smith. My wife, did he really? Yeah. A- Ashley's kind of all of a sudden got starry eyes for Eberflus. She's like, man, Whoa. he threw on a beard, got a little makeover. Really? Boy, yeah. now Mark has never wanted him to be fired more in his life. <laughs> Mark, why don't you grow a beard? You never, uh, I've never seen you with a beard. You're always very clean shaven. I'm, I usually grow, it's very patchy. I grow, I try uh, to grow yeah. it out and I try to do it like when the Blackhawks are in their dynasty. I was like, I'm going to do a playoff beard and it looked terrible. So I was Yeah, like, now they win nine games a year so it doesn't really, yeah, you know, get this it off doesn't of me. quite hit the same. It doesn't hit the same no. when your team's 10 and 72 uh, on the season. So there you go. 
Cam should do it too. He's all clean shaven today. You're an engineer guy. You're supposed to be hairy. What are you doing? Why are you shaving? You're you're in engineering. Come on. Anyway, Ballard uh, coming up at nine thirty. Can I can I ask you one thing on Chris Ballard? Play a clip, and then I want your thoughts on something. You bet. Uh, clip two here, Mark uh, Ballard. Yesterday was asked about you know free agency. They're one of the teams that has a lot of money. It's been one of the main conversation pieces. How much money will they spend on outside help uh, compared to obviously? of your draft picks and Michael Pittman will be brought back at a big number, whether that be a long-term deal uh, or that be the franchise tag. But, you know, free agency, outside help, taking maybe a sizable swing. Ballard was asked about free agency. Here's what he had to say. It's always free agency. Everybody gets excited for that week and stamps a future Super Bowl winner off of that. And But what you're seeing is, all right, so you got free agents and you got the A-level players. Well, what happens with them? They get tagged. All right, so now you got the next level one that you end up paying A money. If there's one on the market that we think fits us, and he and look, it takes two sides here. I mean, there's times you'll make an offer, a big offer to a player, and you just don't get him. He goes somewhere else. That's, that's part of it. Um, we'll be as aggressive as we need to be and when we think we need to be. So here's what I find interesting, um, and we've had this conversation, uh, and you can definitely talk more, KB, about you know the history here, seven-plus years of Chris Ballard. Bob Kravitz wrote about it as well. I'm going to tie a couple things together here. Like, number one, we understand Ballard and taking care of your own, okay? We also understand, and you and a listener bring this up, and it's a great point that, you know, if, if the Colts go out and they bring Ballard back so many of the same pieces good players right we mentioned Kenny Moore and obviously uh, Blackman Michael Pittman um, the punting game I mean there's you know five or six different individuals that we could talk about this is a big internal class uh, as it pertains to free agency for the Colts does it feel like you're running the back you had a good season but you didn't have a great season right in fact you could easily categorize what the Colts did as an overachieving season And then on top of it, you know, you have, uh, you know, the AFC South was a joke a year ago. It's not a joke right now. It's not. Um, You know, I mean, Jacksonville had some issues. They still have Trevor Lawrence. You look at Houston, their improvement. Uh, it's definitely, and the Colts are a part of that. It's not a joke. And so you have all this money. There has to be some sort of a uh, of a line you're trying to ride of. You need to bring in help. We know Ballard may not want to go out and take a swing at those early first few days of free agency guys that you may overpay for. The other side of it is, and Mark, your, your Bears are going through this, is, you know, at what point, you know, the Bears are in a situation of, at what point do we say, okay, we have We've garnered enough picks. Now we need to go try to get guys that are actually going to go win games. And I think the Colts are not in that spot, but the Colts are in a, hey, are we going to bring back on a 9-8 season where we no doubt overachieved, are we going to bring back a lot of these guys or are we going to go in free agency uh, and make some moves and make a splash? What do you make about Ballard's comments on free agency uh, watching him the last seven seasons and knowing there are guys on the outside that they're going to need. And no doubt there's a few guys here internally that you definitely want to bring back. Yeah, it's um, hearing that answer yesterday, Andy, it was very common Ballard rhetoric, frankly, for his thoughts on free agency. I've always been of the opinion I think Ballard and Ryan Grigson need to find that happy medium between their views of free agency 
and that, yeah, it doesn't need to be the shopping spree that, you know, whatever. Remember the dream team for the Eagles had over a decade ago or, you know, again, Grixon had in the 2013 or 2015 off seasons. But I do think it's an avenue that should be used a little bit more than Ballard utilizes it. And it just how he describes the market, it, it just comes with such a negative approach to it. Right. Of, yes, from a business 101 standpoint, it's not ideal finances. But unfortunately, that's the store you have to walk into. There are not 10 different stores on the street that are all offering you TJ Maxx items or whatever you want to insert here. Not everyone's going to be a great deal on your roster. It's just the way it is. And and you've got to make a sacrifice, too. And the beauty of it right now is with a rookie contract quarterback, you know, you can maneuver a little bit around that. You can front load some things to try and get ahead of, you know, when that fifth-year option kicks in for Anthony Richardson. And even you're paying bigger money to Bernard Ryman or a Michael Pittman Jr. down the road. You know, things like that there. Um, the question that I brought up yesterday that I think you were alluding to as well is, you know, if you bring back those big four, Pittman, Kenny Moore, and by the way, Chris Bauer, you know, acted like yesterday. They would like to bring back mm-hmm. Kenny Moore, called him a special human being. Yep. You know, comments we've heard before from Chris on Kenny Moore. And then Grover Stewart and Julian Blackman. I mean, that eats up a huge chunk of the $72 million that you have. So that's where I am torn, Andy, because I'm like, you know what? If either of those four walk, that that is a loss. Like, those are four pretty quality players. Those are four guys that when they haven't been on the field in their Colts' careers, you've seen and felt their losses in a pretty significant manner. So how do you – Make sure that you still have some reliable guys like that, trustworthy guys, guys that I think have earned the right to come back, but then also leave you some wiggle room to go make another move or two. Are we? Is it all in on the Anthony Richardson? You know, his presence is going to make this team ascend a little bit more. And right. I don't know. Maybe you have some in-house development from you know Juju Brent stays healthier, for example, or I don't know. Quiddy Pay takes a jump in year four. I, I, I'm just trying to like grasp at like what the Colts could be thinking here with their roster in terms of how do you improve it if you don't make a lot of outside moves. Again, I would opt for the veteran cornerback. I think that is a really important piece uh, to add in free agency. Ballard wasn't gung-ho on committing to that publicly. We'll obviously see his actions play out here over the next couple of weeks, but I am very torn on the re-sign of the top four. If you do that, knowing how Ballard is fiscally, that might be it, I mean, they could they could certainly still make a notable move outside of their building, but not a big splash. Not something where it's one of the talks of the NFL. No, but I mean, in you, a couple, you, weeks. you could make a ten to fifteen million dollar deal sure. for a guy, and, and that's obviously a you know starting level player. But again, that's not how he. And we already we haven't even talked about Minshew. We haven't even talked about Zach Moss. Sure. We haven't even talked about you know some of those other guys that would fall in that second tier of free agents there. So. Um, I'm pretty torn on the uh, bringing back of the is, uh, big four and how that impacts. Let the me ask you this: is and, and I hear a lot of this. I'm not saying it is. I want to be clear, but you know, as you know, um, you know, my team, the Giants, are obsessed with the Saquon Barkley stuff. Well, you know, he's been he's been in your program. You know, Ballard taking care of your own is that overrated? 
I'm I'm trying to figure that out internally. Like, is that over? Like, that's nice, but I I don't know if I'm always. Yeah, it's probably wor- tad overrated. I, I don't know if I'm worried about that. Like, Pittman's a very you- good player. That's why. That's why you want him. Right. Not right, because right, you right. drafted him in the first or second round in 2020. That's not why. It's a nice bonus because you know the guy. They know you. Uh, it sends, I think, a good message to other guys in the locker room. Right. Hey, if you work hard, we will reward you. I think all of that is important. I don't think it's like the end-all, be-all. Um, and clearly, you look at San Francisco, you look at Kansas City, you look at all these Super Bowl teams in recent years, there's plenty of examples of outside-of-the-building free agents or trades that have helped their team significantly. So um, I, I, I get where it comes from, but again, to me, it's not the. It's not like fiscally, it, it helps you out immensely. Yeah, you're not saving money on Michael to Pittman resign your own. Right, you're just not uh, going to or Kenny Moore. And these guys are going to want now, the the money that they get. One thing Bow did mention from a need standpoint is, you know, you, you got to offset what you think is lacking there in the draft and free agency. So that I think is a little bit of an open window to what could the next couple of weeks looks like when Francie rolls around okay if he is saying you need to offset what's lacking in the draft so what it, positions do you think he's talking in about in free agency let's go back to our conversations with Dane Brewer and Daniel Jeremiah and Andy f- feel free to chime in but i feel like they've mentioned tight end yep has a position that doesn't have great depth. I feel like they've mentioned a running back, mm-hmm. and I feel like they've even mentioned linebacker. I mean, there's not a running back going to go in the. I, I feel like in the first round, right? I mean, usually there's someone but, that is seen as that type of alpha guy. So tight end, running back, linebacker. If I'm sitting here thinking to myself, okay, how would I rate those needs for the Colts? I mean, sure, I, I'd probably put tight end a little higher on the list than Ballard will, but running back and linebacker aren't very high at all. No. So when you when you think about what avenues could they explore in free agency, again, I have been an advocate of getting that veteran corner more so than in the draft, but that is not an area that appears to be very barren in the draft. It, it appears to be a pretty good cornerback draft class. So how that plays out here, again, starting a week from Wednesday, will be interesting. Yeah, you know my guy. I gave you uh, Jarek McKinnon was my guy. I know he's in his 30s. I want a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield for the Indianapolis Colts. That's what I want. What was it, in 10 games? I think uh, 19 catches for Jonathan Taylor. I think that's what it was. Uh, I'm all you, about- um, Go ahead. Uh, no, sorry, what, what did you make of his backup quarterback comments? He... Um, didn't seem to really fall in line with the you need a similar style backup to your starter. Well, I okay, so what that tells me is that's what Shane Steichen thinks, right? I mean, that's what they did last year. I mean, I know there was, well, we're not changing. I mean, listen, the offense changed a lot when Gardner Minshew was in there compared to Anthony Richardson. You can say whatever rhetoric you want. Oh, but one guy no, can run. It changed, one guy yeah. can't One guy can't run. One guy can run. Anthony Richardson can throw the ball 75 yards down the field. And Gardner Minshew threw how many deep passes all season long. I mean, you can count them on one hand, you feel like, you know, the the whole half of the season. So, I, I listen, if that's how they feel, that's fine. A lot fine. of people feel you should get I, But, but I don't feel style. I don't feel that way. I mean, that's one reason why, what, a guy like Tyrod Taylor, wasn't Nate Atkins of the star throughout Tyrod Taylor? Yeah, Tyler at, Huntley is yeah, a popular as a guy. name. I mean, Tyrod Taylor can run a little bit. He's got a good deep ball. I, I mean, that's one thing. I mean, he's just always injured. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you put him back there. I mean, Gardner Minshew – 
his availability was his greatest asset to this team last year. Is you know even when he was getting sacked, um, you know his ability to play the next down, his ability to be available uh, for those weeks of practice and everything else. I like Tyrod Taylor, but that has not been Tyrod Taylor. It just hasn't been. By the way, I'm looking at these free agents, and I know they're never going to get them, but boy, there's some juicy defensive linemen on these lists. I mean, besides like Chris Jones, like Josh Allen, Jaguars. You no, know, Josh Allen is available. You know, you, you mentioned uh, edge guys. Yeah, Brian guy Burns uh, is out the there. Daniel before. Hunter uh, is out there. I, there's, I know these guys are too rich for anything you would imagine the Colts and Ballard would be, uh, you know, would, would look at. But, man, there's some good players that could be available defensive line-wise. Yeah, and going back to, the, again, the backup quarterback thing, for me, I, I'm not as, like, married to the, okay, stylistically it's got to be the same as Richardson. I mean, sure, it's a nice thing to have if you don't have to overhaul the playbook or completely change things. But I'm probably more of a, does he have some experience? Can he go win you a game at a pinch? Because I, I, I kind of view backup of, boy, your your starter's turned an ankle. He's out for three weeks. You know, it, Can you scratch and claw your way to one and two? Is there a chance you can get a two and one? That's kind of how I view it. And I also think it's really important considering Richardson's development to, you also need a dude that's going to be pretty accepting of that role and is going to help Anthony Richardson along. I, I think that is a vital part of it. I know you're getting away from the on-field aspect to it, but I think that is critical as well of, you know, do you got a guy that, you know, brings some you know, great kind of tutelage when you need to tap into that? And then certainly, if and when that time comes that you need him to be under center, uh, who can you win with for Band-Aid and, 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 and kind of keeping the ship afloat there? Yeah, I, I, think, I think the Minshew conversation um, and the backup converse, uh, the backup quarterback conversation is a bigger one here in Indy than it is other places. Uh, I, I think last year what they got from Gardner Minshew, uh, A, what they had to pay him, which he's going to make more this season wherever he goes, and then on top of it, his availability and his play being good enough to, to help you win games, it's not normal what they were able to do last year without their starting quarterback. To think that they're going to be able to mimic that again this season, uh, you know, and obviously they don't want to, and I don't want to make it sound that way, but you usually throw in a backup quarterback, and it's a surprise if they're doing the things that you're saying. I mean, Gardner Minshew was quality at times yeah, last year. Yeah, I mean, the year. Cleveland Browns thing quality. was an anomaly. Absolutely. Uh, that's, that's not... That's not the norm. And again, you know, what does Minshew find in the open market? Does he find realistic playing time opportunities elsewhere? So again, Chris Bauer going to join us uh, coming up in a little over an hour. Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, scheduled to join us here in about 10 or 15 minutes. We do want to double back on the Pacers from last night. Wire to wire win over the Pelicans. They conclude that homestand at uh, three and one. Again, just their third wire to wire win of the season. Uh, great balance really all night long. They jumped on New Orleans early, which is what I think you were hoping for considering the Pelicans, I mean, how they got to Indy as the sun was rising yesterday morning from there back to back. Um, I thought the bench unit played very well. That hasn't been the case a ton here as of late as there's been a lot of jumbled situations there. It does sound like Doug McDermott's going to miss a couple of games with that calf injury. 
Uh, but the Halliburton night was interesting. I know you mentioned yesterday, Andy, you wanted to see a double-double <laughs> from him. He definitely got that. Yeah. But I, I, he didn't have the game I thought he was no, going to have, but it, I was, was still almost right. You know, it, Would it he have was, one turnover? It was, it was kind of rough early for him. And I don't know if the box score would, like, indicate that, but just one thing I noticed early on last night is just, boy, the ease at him getting some decent looks – is very difficult. The, the the first shot he made last night, ironically, was off of a McConnell drive. Mm-hmm. McConnell drove, obviously, that's with the bench unit in there or some portions of the bench unit in there, so it's not like Halliburton even scored early. And it's Halliburton moving off the ball, and boom, McConnell finds him for an open look, and he hits that three. So it was tough sledding a bit for him through the first couple of quarters. But, man, uh, that close from him was was exceptional and, and that oftentimes can be the separator for stars and stars in this league and the step back three he hit when New Orleans had cut it to three was a huge shot and then he had three straight assists where he really set up Siakam yeah. final two minutes for he was great. some very high percentage looks at the rim there that's what makes Halliburton Halliburton Andy it's not only can he hit the step back three but then he can facilitate, he can be Mahomes, he can offer that ability to ice the game as a passer. Uh, he, he closed like an all-star last night. I, I would, you know, and I know, listen, I know Carlisle will be on with us on Tuesday, and we've talked to a little bit about this. It is a chess match. And the and in the NBA, the final 20-some games here, and no doubt when you get to the postseason, is different than game four, right? I mean, the intensity, the defense, plus, you know, Tyrese Halliburton this season went from a good player, a very good player, to a supermax guy, right? I mean, to being one of the faces of the league. Hell, you saw that during the All-Star weekend a couple days ago. I would love to know... What Rick Carlisle thinks teams are going to like, what what they are doing, what he thinks teams are going to do, and then on top of it, the different things that they've already tried and KB that they're going to try to get some easier looks for Tyrese Halliburton. Does that mean, you know, he plays off the ball a little bit more? Uh, you mentioned McConnell setting him up, uh, eventually Nemhard setting him up as well. Because, you know, I mean, teams are throwing their best defender. Teams are throwing, especially the last couple games, they've thrown length at Halliburton, right? And his release is a little slow uh, from three, and sometimes he can fall in love with only taking threes. I'm interested in kind of the chess match. Uh, you know, Carlisle's obviously an offensive genius of of what he's going to do to alleviate some of that because, again, Halliburton hasn't been, you know, he called, we'll hear the sound here in a second. He called it the struggle bus. He has to feel like he's on. I, I would imagine that's just not, hey, I'm missing shots. Hey, I think it's, hey, teams are teams are viewing me different right now. Teams are guarding me differently than, than what I'm used to. I think that's the next maturation spot for the Pacers, but it's also probably the number one thing to watch in the final 20 games, is it not? I mean, he has to be, he's going to have to be Superman in some of these games for them to win. There's just no doubt about it. Yeah, and, and again, I think teams can try – 
to take away that head of the snake. And last night, obviously, Herb Jones is a really good defender. Yeah, he is. He's a good player. For the Pelicans. But, again, they, they have a lot of length that, that can, you know, offer a little bit of bothering to Halliburton. It just seems like, again, the ability to get the easy shots or cleaner looks or however you want to describe it is not as much there. You know, and some of that, the loss of Buddy healed and, you know, maybe you're shrinking the floor a hair. A bit with that starting lineup, that's probably uh, a fair ask. You know, I know John's brought this up a lot in the afternoon. You know, does Siakam, are you a little bit more sticking with the ball? Right. You know, when Siakam gets it, you know, he's obviously a very gifted one-on-one player. But the ball's not popping around. He's not the same player as Buddy Heald. Around yeah, the hole. There's horn. no doubt. Um, and there's pros and cons, certainly, with that. Uh, but, you know, I did think last night, just overall, you saw one team that wasn't playing on a back-to-back, and another team that was, and and that's and and I'm not saying that to like diminish the result for the Pacers. I thought they oftentimes were the more of the hustling team, more of the effort team last night. Got to the 50-50 balls, and that's not always been the case here as of late for them. So very important for them to do that again. They built that early lead, played from ahead the entire game. Uh, they close out this homestand three and one. Uh, it will be New Orleans on Friday. They've got Webb and Yama on Sunday, right? Yes, they do. That's the second game with him. Yeah, yeah, they do. And then really, when you think about March, it is a lot of road games in that month. And it's it, it, it's a pretty decent-looking slate there from uh, from notable games. I think Oklahoma City a couple yep. of times. They have not seen them. They'll play uh, Minnesota here in a home, in a home game They're in well, Orlando, so. which has always been <laughs> difficult. Yeah, the next three at New Orleans, at San Antonio, at Dallas. Luka just had a birthday, by the way, 25 years old. Good for Luka. He strikes me as a dude that would enjoy his birthday. I did love that after the game. They played the other night. They played last night. They won. He's like, now I'm going to go get some rest. It's like ain't, 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 no one believes that. You're 25 years old. You're an NBA player. Are we worried You're, about Halliburton celebrating his birthday tonight on Bourbon Street? Oh, that's Well, he's only I six feel, years old, so he can't really get in anywhere. I, I'm still stunned that Kevin Bowens never spent some time in New Orleans. That's such a dad joke by Mark Dykton. I know. Really he is. On, on the yeah, leap sorry. Yeah, birthday I just, there. I just kept it moving. You know that? It really is. Kevin not I, going I, to New Orleans is alarming, though. It, it is weird that you haven't been it, there yet. It's always been like a bachelor party rumor for a lot of my friends, and I've always had some intrigue. Well, plus but you and your wife could go. You'd have a good time. Yeah. Ashley and I, I went before we had kids. Kid. It was a great time. Yeah. yeah it doesn't have to be wife, debauchery left and right. You can have... A good time. There's plenty of good and, spots to and, go and through. My, you know, and given the New Orleans might not be here in like 30 years, you know, uh, you know, might just get swallowed up. Oh, jeez. My, my, oh, my, I mean, that's the thing with, I mean, it's a very, you know, when it comes to that, it's 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 a very I real issue. I don't know if we have time for that conversation. With New today. Orleans, my wife would move there like tomorrow. Every house she looks at, it's like, you know. A million dollars, you know, it's a million dollars somewhere, some some, some beautiful home uh, in New Orleans. Oh, it's a great place. It's a great place. You guys have a great time. You could raise great your family food. there with Brian Kelly, right? There we go. Or is Baton family. Rouge a little bit further away? Uh, yeah, it's about, what is it, about an hour maybe, hour and change. Yeah, I went to, uh, what, the 2012 Final Four. Kentucky won the title there. Calipari's won title where Anthony Davis drug him literally uh, to a oh, national yeah. title. Sweet 16 game against uh, you there. at the Georgia Dome. Yes, it was. You guys need to go, man. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a fun time. It's a little bit like Vegas where you can go for like three days and then it's like, okay, I'm, I'm probably uh, about ready to go after that. Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, going to join us here in about five minutes. Again, uh, we are an hour away from Chris Ballard also joining us live at the Convention Center. Defensive players will be working out later today. 
Brock Bowers scheduled to meet the media in about 90 minutes. So uh, things started to pick up from a prospect standpoint here in the city of Indianapolis. For those wanting to view the workouts, I think 3 o'clock is the start time today. Uh, that'll continue here for the next couple of days. I want to say it might be 1 o'clock this weekend when you get those QBs and wideouts working out. How much do you watch? Be uh, honest. I, I, do you I, consume way too much? I do watch a little bit of the quarterback wideout stuff, okay. um, especially the wideouts. You know, I'm just curious like, what these guys look like and um, that aspect to it. And, you know, do we see any, you know, you know C.J. Stroud, the ball placement specialist, people gushing over his workout, you know, does Michael Penix have? Right, does somebody jump up? An impressive workout. I, I, I don't think anything can be put too much stock into it uh, overwhelmingly, but that is something just to keep. An eye on. All right, let's hit a morning check down before we get to Matt Taylor. All right, yeah, let's get you some of that Tyrese Halliburton sound from last night. 123-114, that's your final Pacers over the Pelicans. I told you now that uh, Halliburton would get a double-double. He did, 17-13, and 13, uh, had three rebounds, just that one turnover. So he had a nice game. If you look at the stat sheet, the box score, you thought might think he had a great game. Still a little bit off, especially uh, in that first half. Here's Halliburton postgame. Struggle bus is how he explained his game. I'm uh, just on a struggle bus right now, just trying to figure it out. How can I help the team win and uh, figure out what I can do? So, you know, at the end of the games, they trust me with the ball in my hands and uh, just made some plays to win the game. Yeah, next up for the Pacers, uh, they're going to be in New Orleans. That one Friday night, uh, 8 o'clock, our coverage here on The Fan, beginning at 7.30. Do want to make sure we give a shout-out to Obi Toppin, Andy. Yeah, I he's feel great. like he has been really, really solid. I mean, that was a trade deadline rumor. I kind of thought, logjam there, you need to make a move. Toppin's been very accepting of that bench. Well, that has been earth-shattering numbers or eye-popping numbers. Last night he had 16. That obviously stands out. He played defense twice, though, down the stretch where he played good on defense. Yeah, they went a little smaller at yeah. times when, you know, Valanciunas and Larry Nance were out for the Pelicans. Pacers went a little smaller. And, you know, without Jalen Smith, you know, they've, they've really needed uh, Toppin to step up here in the last couple of weeks. All right, last night Andy Sweeney was in the building at Hinkle Fieldhouse. It was not a pretty second half whatsoever for the Bulldogs. They have now lost five in a row. They have played themselves out of the NCAA tournament. It's been a tailspin and really goes back uh, to the end of that Marquette game at Hinkle uh, a couple of weeks ago where they had an opportunity to continue their really impressive run exiting January. They missed that opportunity. And it has been a nosedive since. It's one thing to lose the road games, Andy, like at Nova, at Providence. But they were outscored by 23 in the second half to Creighton at home a few weeks ago. And then last night, outscored by 17. Yeah, they're blown out. In the second half by St. John's. Yeah, so, I, I mean, listen, they're going to have to I, – I, I don't know. I mean, with them, I kind of feel like they're not going to make the tournament. You know, they're going to have to make a run in the Big East. I, I don't know. Thad Mata growing a program from where they were last year, you know, this year. You hate to say it like this. You make the NIT. I don't know. You hit the portal hard. Uh, you you know, you bring in more recruits. But uh, last night was – they had a flurry kind of there at the end of the first half. You thought maybe they could stay in it. But uh, Patino and company winners there last night. Give me a swoosh here, Mark. I want to get to – uh, one other Chris Ballard item we're sprinkling in Ballard sound from yesterday. Again, uh, Chris Ballard set to join us coming up at about 9.30 here at the NFL Combine. Anthony Richardson progressing from his injury. Here's what Ballard had to say yesterday. Really happy about where he's at. Um, he started throwing. He's on a rehab program. We're not going to, like, I mean, I lived through the last one, okay, and I learned a lot of lessons living through the last one. So, 
you know, forgive me for being a little cautious, but, uh, you know, and Anthony, I, mean, I know Anthony's made some statements that it's important to be ahead of schedule. Well, you know, that's we're here to pull the reins to make sure we don't get too far ahead of schedule and we're staying with whatever the doctors are telling us. So, but he's in good shape. Um, he's throwing. He's got a good throwing program. Got p- good people working with him. So I, I'm encouraged about where he's at and where he's going, and and we'll go from there. Yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly with those comments. Again, nothing coming up for the Colts from an off-season program standpoint for a couple of months. So still plenty of time on that. And then shout out to Indiana State. They defeat Evansville last night, 85-67. That is a share of the Missouri Valley regular season title first time since 2000 so shout out to josh shirts and company as they obviously look ahead to what will i hope be they made the tournament monumental arch madness run for them could not agree more on that yeah and, i'd love to see I mean, it. honestly andy with the tailspin of butler i mean right now we're looking at one tournament right team. you're looking at purdue unless indiana state can join the shine the you hear that todd meyer the shining makers. example of college basketball voice in the state of, of indiana the colts matt taylor he's in the building he's going to join us next all right matt taylor voice of the colts hanging out with us here we love it uh, i guess we played the jumping around for him by the way are I you just, raising the roof matt? I, no it's matt for taylor. leap year it's, it's a, for leap it's day very, oh there you go jumping yeah. around on leap day. musty thing to do is to raise the roof well, like at wisconsin right third uh, quarter fourth quarter can, can i say something i i just met joel a erickson had not met him we've only had him on the air uh the guy can wear a pair of jeans man wish i could do that i'm a fat guy it's so a very you know, weird thing to it, say it's a very weird thing to say <laughs> <laughs> i'm not out of that on the bingo cards Today, no, man. how about that belt, huh? Hey. Yeah, how about that? Oh, Joel, you can endorse yourself on LinkedIn for that. Uh, Matt, what's call. going on, Mate? What's happening with um, you, brother? Hanging at the combine with you fellers. You know? Sorry we made you get up early to get down here. You He's know? one of the early risers. I know. Right? No, you, you, listen, all the other radio hacks, there's no one here uh, right now. Can, Look at it. Look yeah. around. We're the only ones. Yeah, today's like a, a golf tournament. You know, like It's moving day, right? Everybody you know, come <laughs> in, get the GM on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then, yeah, content-wise, we're good. But we're, they stayed out late last night. Yeah, there was you that, go. That's, that, that's probably was, more was accurate. Was that what happened? Yeah. Uh, so uh, Matt Taylor with us here, voice of the Colts. Reminder, Chris Ballard going to join us here in about an hour uh, here on the program. Uh, boy, I you know. 15, 20 minutes of a conversation, that press conference with Ballard yesterday. What did you take away from it? Uh, any deflections? Anything you liked? What did you make of his conversation? Well, just excited to hear that Michael Pittman Jr. is going to be a Colt one way or another. And they have until next Tuesday to figure out the uh, franchise tag position. But, you know, come September, Chris Ballard was pretty definitive. Love the way that uh, the, the savvy veteran of Mike Chappell framed the question to get an answer out of Chris Ballard. Oh, the which, Hall of Famer. Which he ignored. So uh, Michael Pittman Jr. going to be in the fold somehow, some way uh, come next year, which I think is very important. We, we've talked about this. We talked with JMV last night. I mean, there's this debate that you know Michael Pittman Jr., is he a one, is he not? I, I, don't, I don't know what that means. You, you want a player like Michael Pittman Jr. on your team because of what he can do and you know, the, the high-volume catches and, uh, you know, tough catches, third down, crunch time, overtime, as we saw this year in, in Tennessee. Um, so that part is very exciting. And what I learned yesterday, kind of relearned from Chris Ballard, because you get 
you kind of forget these things year to year. But, you know, you, you supplement in free agency on the non-depth pieces or positions in the draft. And what those are, we're still kind of figuring out. That's what the Combine is here for. So um, really good to hear from the GM yesterday and just exciting that one of the best players and important players on the team is going to be back. They're going to figure it out in some capacity for 2024. Yeah, sticking to wide out here and again, voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, of course, with us live at the convention center. You know, he expressed a lot of regret yesterday I thought as well. The Ashton Doolin thing, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, saying I, I needed to support Reggie Wayne and that offensive staff more, and then on top of that, he then gushed over this year's wide receiver mm-hmm. draft depth class. So I think it's a sign, if you just add that up, wide out is a need for the Colts at right. some point this offseason, even if, or I should say even when, they officially <laughs> bring Pittman back. I'm just curious, Matt, how that looks. You know, again, Ballard said yesterday, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, I should have done more to help mm-hmm. out the wide receiver position last year for the coaching staff, and the Ashton Doolin injury that you bring up was a reason why. But, you know, okay, now how do you handle that draft? depth because it is such a great and deep class does that mean you can be more patient with it does it mean you you know uh, tap into that high end of it Uh, really curious to see how that will evolve no that's exactly right and you know when you lose Ashton Doolin you lose uh, a guy that can play inside and outside be part of your your three man uh, or your top three wide receiver rotation if you need him to at a pinch also the special teams component to it too and, you know, no disrespect, and like Chris said, no disrespect to, you know, DJ Montgomery or Jawan Morgan, um, or excuse me, Jawan Winfrey. <laughs> yeah, Jawan Morgan, got, solid wing got, for Tom Green. Got the Hoosier uh, <laughs> component still there. But, um, yeah, I, I think he's right. And you also, too, want to supplement Anthony Richardson with stability around him offensively, but you can't forget about protection as well. And – Ryan Kelly is eventually going to come up. Braden Smith, who had surgery, is eventually going to come up. And it sounds like the the tackle depth in this draft is there. That might be in play at 15. Take best player available to you know supplement your your offensive line here going forward for the future. Um, the, the the question I always have about the wide receivers, and it's always such a deep draft class at that position here. The last couple of years is the question I always ask myself is with so many offensive players that are going to seemingly go on a run at the top of the draft Mm -hmm. and all these quarterbacks pushing down more talent to the Colts can you get you know like the second or third best corner can you get the first or second best defensive end see that's where I'm at that's exactly where I'm at while also waiting at wide receiver and being able to get you know whatever it is whatever deep wide receiver whatever the evaluation is 85 to 90 percent of the third or fourth best wide out at the seventh or eighth best wide receiver position uh in the draft in the second round i mean josh downs was a third round pick and he's your guy i mean he's a a core player now uh with anthony richardson uh richardson here going forward so that part is exciting i do think it makes a lot of sense to bolster the offense in protection and playmakers on the outside while also helping Michael Pittman Jr. I I said at the beginning, the Colts need to get more explosive. That's what Chris Ballard alluded to at the end of the season. Bring back Pittman, but also add some more pop on the outside. I think Richardson coming back in and of itself will add to the explosivity of the offense. I mean, we saw that in the first month of the season. Mm -hmm. Naturally, that's going to help, and obviously it, it tailed off because of the playing style of Gardner Minshew. Um, but it, it's, it's a really exciting what the Colts can do with the cap space, 
where they're picking in the draft, and Anthony Richardson and, and, and his, his ceiling just being so high. You know, I'm not a very good analogy guy. I know during the season, Matt, we had you on every Friday <laughs> and begged you for opponent-specific analogies. You were outstanding per usual with that. But I think we're all on the same page with how you view draft depth. And the analogy that I'm trying to make is like, okay, I, I got to go into a gas station. I need to come out with a Reese's hmm. and a peanut butter M&M's, okay? So that one of that is defensive end, one of that's wide out. And you right? only have $4. Well, I, I, <laughs> I can only go in the store once every hour, okay? okay? And I right. can only pick one at a time. I go in there, and there's three Reese's, and there's eight peanut butter exactly. M&M's. Exactly. I'm probably going to buy that Reese's, right? Right. Because if I can only be in here one time in an hour. Because Andy's coming right behind you. Right. Damn right. And yeah. all of a sudden, I want to make sure there's a chance those peanut butter. Scarcity. Right. M&Ms are there. And that, what I think, what's, I, I think that's wide out. What's a- more? And A.J. Browns and D.K. Metcalfs and Terry McLaurins. And, I mean, you can find, you brought up Josh Downs. I mean, it just seems like that position offers a little bit more of day two uh, hits than well, some others. What, what was the draft class of C.D. Lamb? I mean, what year was that? It was 2020. Yeah, okay. yeah. So brought that we up talked yesterday. about it. Yeah, yeah. Chris talked about this. Mm-hmm. This is this is that draft class, maybe even right. better. Yeah, in T. Terms Higgins of, and Michael Pittman Jr. Yeah, you the first can, two picks you might be able to get a, a day three guy that yeah. can crack the top three of your wide receiver rotation. Yeah. And, and Bill Samuel's a second round pick. And, and then if that's the case, I mean, Alec Pierce is a damn good number four. Ashton Doolin's a damn good number five, right? And, and, and then you bring in more competition later in the draft, undrafted free agency, to see if you can push some of these guys so um I, i'm with you it, it what's what's harder to accommodate um or acquire i should say what's harder to bring into your to your roster um at a position of need at a premium spot um t- t- in order to win in order to win big it's nowadays it's quarterback obviously check that off the list you got wide receiver you have corner defensive end and tackle the colts are pretty good at, at a lot of those positions obviously the 51 sacks last year you tip your cap to to the colts there, but I agree with what you've said. It's it's situational pass rush. It's getting after the quarterback to affect a throw in the fourth quarter of a Week 18 game against the Houston Texans, yeah. right? Sometimes you just need a guy that's a stud that has 13 sacks on the season that even though the offensive line is going to rotate that way, put right. a lot of pressure or a lot of emphasis on that guy, he's still going to win in a high leverage situation. The Colts are still kind of looking for that guy, and I think those guys only come high in the draft maybe not at 15 but i think principally speaking you know it's corner it's defensive end and then maybe you'll wait on whiteout and i don't i know a lot of people don't want to hear that but maybe that might be the the thing to, to think about going into this it's draft. just not all about the sacks you know i go back to nick bosa and chris jones it's in the super bowl throws. they had no sacks and right. they were huge parts of the game hell go back to iu the other night i know again maybe this is an awful analogy, but Khalil Ware's ability to jump in the air all of a sudden made Tyler Wall shoot that ball a little bit higher, and that was a huge well, play in the game, and it doesn't pop up as a, who, as, a, as a block in the box score, but that's a huge moment. Again, it's impacting things. To your point, make that clock be sped up a little bit more. If that pressure, if that hurry right. leads to a quicker throw, it can be the difference in the game. Who was it off the edge uh, on the fourth and one play? Houston Texans, week 18. Was that Jonathan Grenard? Mm-hmm. Who's got, a free agent, yeah, by the way? Got up the yeah, field yeah. just a right, little right, bit. Right, right. Got into the passing lane mm-hmm. of Gardner Minshew, yep. trying to throw it out yeah. to Goodson. Will Anderson Jr. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah, okay, yeah. it was Will. Yeah. I thought it was. Yeah. It might have been Grenard. But to your point, like it's yep. not just it's not just the sack numbers. It's mm-hmm. what do you do to affect 
each and every play in high leverage situations. Do you have a guy? Do you have a guy? I mean, come on, it doesn't matter. We all have a guy. I like, don't have hey, a guy. If the Colts, yet. if the if the Colts no, no guy. take this Sounds guy, like you you'll be Joel very Erickson happy. In the jeans. Oh yeah, he's a good-looking guy. We know who your guy is. Hey, Joel A. Erickson's a good-looking guy. No, I don't have a guy yet. I mean, oh come on, the, the guy the guy that I've read the most about in terms of mock drafts is probably Bowers, Brock okay. Bowers, right. the tight end out of Georgia. I mean, who is speaking today here in a little over yeah. an hour? Yeah, what time the, is that? Nine forty-five. Ten o'clock. Ten, right? Yeah, you know. Trying to run over there and get him. Yeah. I mean, I, I've already started collecting data, and, oh, I'm sure. and I read stuff, and I copy and paste and clip and sort <laughs> and organize. And Bowers is the guy that I probably have the most uh, like database on, just because I've seen him the most as it relates to the Colts. And I've been asking the guys that we've been talking to, you know, like if you bring in Bowers. Obviously, that's exciting because of uh, his versatility, all the things that Shane Steichen can do with a tight end and his history of success at that position. But if you're bringing him, does that alleviate the need to bring in another outside receiver to complement Michael Pittman Jr.? And you would not believe how many guys say yes. Hmm. Yeah, that you're, you're good. And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I, I, don't know I, if don't, I feel I mean, that way. I kind of want both. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of greedy. Yeah. I kind of want I it all. You know, I, want, uh, I want the outside guy, the inside between the numbers guy and Michael Pittman. Plus, I want you know, the Colts 2024 version of, of Dallas Clark or George Kittle or whomever you want to compare him to. Um, but, but yeah, he's the guy that is most tantalizing, if you will, in terms of, man, if he's there, how do you pass that up? I want to ask you one more about the Colts free agent list. You got uh, just a sec if we, oh, yeah. if we uh, hit a break here. Uh, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts with us live at the Combine. Things starting to pick up a little bit here on this Thursday morning. Chris Ballard going to join us at this very table coming up in 45 minutes. Uh, we'll continue the conversation with Matt Taylor next. I just met Joel A. Erickson. The guy can wear a pair of jeans, man. Yes, there we go. That's how you, that's how you turn around some sound. I like that, Mark Dighton. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts with us here, uh, hanging out at the NFL Combine. Reminder, Colts general manager Chris Ballard set to join us around 930. You had a free agent question. I'm wearing khakis, by the way. I'm wearing khakis over here, (laughs) and I'm not wearing these very well. Uh, (laughs) Taylor, no, very smart on that end. Khakis? Uh, Today, free agency may take less than two weeks away, 13 days away from. We've talked so much about the big guys. Zach Moss, Taekwon Lewis, Rigoberto Sanchez. Oh, I'm like, okay. You're going there. You yeah, go. I mean, like, right. you know, when you talk about, we kind of made the analogy a few weeks ago, guys you stand on a table for, guys you stand on a stool for. I, I thought Taekwon Lewis was more than oh, a feel-good story last I'm, year. I'm so glad you went there because I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think he had, what was it, four sacks, nine tackles for a loss. You can double-check me. 13 quarterback hits, yeah. and he played like 36% of the right, snaps right. last year. And late in the year, they increased his role. That's exactly right. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, normally when you're not playing the full mm. gamut of snaps throughout the course of a game at that position, it kind of takes you a little bit to set things up and get warmed up and get revved in. So My, my point is those numbers based on his amount of snaps, it's incredibly efficient. And it's just amazing that he's able to just come in the game cold, if you will, off the bench and be as productive as he was. And you're right, towards the end of the season, week 18, I can distinctly remember a third down package that had Taekwon Lewis, Dio Adangbo, uh, DeForest Buckner, and uh, Samson Abacom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Quiddy Pay had similar numbers and played like 
295 or 300 more snaps on the season than Tyquan Lewis. Mm -hmm. And he's amazing to me because of all that he's been through, uh, you know, back-to-back seasons in 21 and 22 where he has the patellar injury in October. His season's over. And, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, you you bring him back on one-year deals and you're thinking, all right, you know, kind of like let's see what you got. I mean, if if he can kind of – coming off the injury. Does he even make the team, Right, can he scratch and claw for for a roster spot? And this might be the third year in a row where he comes back in free agency, and I don't know why you wouldn't because of what he gives you a good rotational piece, and towards the end of the season, he was proven he was more than just that. He was a guy you could really count on to play inside and outside, especially in big games. Uh, what are who, who do you guys have coming up today? Who are you going to be interviewing today? And I know yeah. the last day or so, boy, you guys have had uh, quite the, uh, you know, I don't know. If you look over there, there's always a good guess. So what have you, no, what have, what have you gleaned from the guys that you have talked to and who you got coming up today? Yeah, so far this week we've had uh, Daniel Jeremiah, a lot of guys from Pro Football Focus, uh, all the AFC South play-by-play guys, Eric Edholm, NFL.com, a lot of guys from CBS, Charles Davis from NFL Network. Uh, today we got more. Uh, we got Solomon Wilcots from SiriusXM stopping by, uh, Jim Miller and Pat Kerwin from SiriusXM, Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl is going to swing by. So we're kind of banking all that and then, as uh, as they say, matriculating it out a little bit well, at a time. Your conversations, I would imagine, last year are much different than they are this year. They're actually a little bit more enjoyable. Not, I, would, not as, I would imagine I don't wanna, so. Maybe that's not the right word, but it's not as stressful. Right. You know, it's, like, it's not all just one topic hit on over and over, obviously, with Anthony Richardson there with the top five pick. It's more broad uh, you know, broad conversations this year. So it's, it's, I've learned a lot. I mean, um, you know, I feel like I know a little bit about the draft going in, but the combine sort of reinforces things and open your, opens your eyes to who these players are and then kind of catapults you into the month of April. Yeah, I thought about that yesterday with Ballard. Year eight for Ballard here at the Combine. Really got to go back to year three. The last time he wasn't having to answer so many quarterback questions in one of those combine settings. Cap space, you're not having to give up draft picks, you're not having to pay a veteran free agent. I mean, yeah, it's it's really, really exciting right now. In the short term versus the long term. The the only only drawback is we don't have the full picture on Anthony Richardson, right? Only played 15% of the snaps, uh, you know, missed all that time. He's kind of rebooting his rookie season. But for the most part, it's exciting all the different ways the Colts could go and it it makes the Colts a, a very interesting team. To this point, kind of a boring team in the whole NFL cycle of things because you haven't had a head coach hire, no quarterback drama, the coordinators are staying the same. I'm all for it. It makes my life easy. <laughs> He's one of our favorites. He is the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. We are a month away from our Red Legs getting on a run to the World Series. I've which, seen I've uh, seen 85 wins. We know. Oh, I've seen 68. I, I've seen a couple NL Central favorites. That's what I mean. It's all over the it's all over the place. They're a hard team to peg right now. I I think the division as a whole. You've seen NL Central favorites, okay? I I, I have too. I mean, who else in the Central? Yeah, it just seems like you know it's a bit of a jumbled mess, frankly, right now in the NL Central. Mate, thank you, sir. Yep. Good luck with uh, with the with everything this week. That is Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, Colts Audio Network, where you can catch all those interviews he was just talking about. All right, nine o'clock hour coming up. Chris Ballard at nine thirty. Appreciate Matt Taylor joining us, voice of the Colts. You miss any of that conversation, check it out, 1075thefan.com. Colts general manager Chris Ballard uh, set to be here with us as we broadcast live from the Combine. Uh, our, uh, the, uh, the video extraordinaire himself, Nick Codden, is here. 
He brought the big camera with him and everything else. I mean, they're getting ready for Chris Bauer. There's a lot of pressure now on this interview. That's because the big guy is going to be in the building with us. Chris Bauer going to join us here coming up at the bottom of the So it's been promoted on uh, 107.5 The Fan's Twitter account. I did see this, and I don't know who did it. Cam, I don't know if you did it, but I did laugh at this. Um, It had the wake-up call with KB and Andy. This was at 7 o'clock when we went on the air. But it did have Listen Now – Join Kevin and Query live on the stream. You oh, did have boy. that uh, on the old on the old Twitter account. Well, I wanted to have, bring that up earlier the, the today. That, that that wouldn't have worked out because we know Jake Query's <laughs> credential has been an issue before here. Oh good. Jake NFL said he combine. thought someone was smoking at Assembly Hall, and maybe that's what did it. Well, oh, someone, so we didn't get a pulled fire. Someone on? was roasting a heater at the top of Assembly Hall. That's what he. Well, he hasn't mentioned Mike Woodson yesterday. been known to light up a postgame cigar? <laughs> was someone in his room? Oh goodness, maybe that's what it was. Uh, Pacers last night, uh, big win. Obviously, we'll we'll get back to the Colts with Chris Ballard joining us. Uh, we'll probably break early, do a check down, so we can clear some time uh, for the Colts general manager. Uh, nice win, a much needed win. You had the Pelicans on a back to back, getting to town at what five a.m. Uh, last night, so you wanted to win that game. They did win that game. Uh, Halliburton still wasn't perfect. He was better than he was the game before, but you know, wire to wire the third time they've been wire to wire this season, uh, the Pacers, and I really in the second half, the Pelicans made three or four big runs yes, big to runs. try to win uh-huh. the game. They got to six. They got it to, what, two or three. They got it to four uh, in each and every time. Uh, the Pacers uh, took care of business. So a nice win and now a mini road trip. And, boy, this next week or so is going to go a lot to where they are in the postseason. I can't imagine there's been too many games this year, Andy, where the Pacers have lost three of the four quarters and won the game. But that's what happened last night. And it's not like they lost these quarters by, like, one and two. They lost the second quarter by five. Uh, so you know, w- w- when you think about the first quarter, they jumped on the Pelicans. How I think I would have hoped. They would have jumped on him. To your point, New Orleans got into Indy, you know, super, super late from New York the night before. Uh, New Orleans started, I think, one of eight last night. It just seemed like the Pacers were quicker to the ball, frankly, early on and built that early lead. The bench unit sustained that. I thought it was probably the best night we've seen from the bench as a whole in quite some time. Shout out to TJ McConnell, Obi Toppin, we mentioned him earlier. Jalen Smith, again, Ben Shepard hit a couple of big shots as well. I think you continue to feel good about giving him some minutes. And then, you know, to your point, uh, New Orleans made several runs back at Indiana. And every single time, and it was different guys that answered. You know, Matherin didn't have a great shooting night, but he had a flurry there Mm -hmm. late in the third quarter, which helped kind of stave off New Orleans a little bit. And then certainly the sequence that you'll probably see from a highlight standpoint when you flip it on today. Halliburton closed just flat out. Uh, CJ McCollum hit a three to cut it to three uh, with a little over two minutes to go and at that point Andy I'm thinking here you go. You know you you flirted with it all game long one more time New Orleans is going to make a run and the fact that you've let them make a run for the fourth or fifth time they're going to get over the hump. Halliburton said absolutely not. Hits a step back three and then assists to Siakam on three straight trips down the floor, all right at the rim. That is exactly what you want out of your star. It's exactly why you pay him the amount of money that you do. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton was Mariano Rivera last night and sealing that one. I'm calling Eddie Garrison out in case he's listening. He always he's the he's my guy with all the Pacer stats. If we're talking Pacers, he'll throw in a little stat. 
When do you think the last time the Pacers only had nine free throws was in a game? That's an el- I mean, that's a that's a low oh, number. Again, the yeah. Pelicans had twenty three last no night, and I didn't even think about watching the game. And they made all nine, so they were one hundred percent from the free throw line. They only shot nine free throws, and Halliburton shot zero, and Benedict Matherin had zero. I, I can't imagine there's too many games. Does Eddie have the stat? No, he doesn't have oh, the stat. That's why I'm saying I'm calling, oh, I'm calling him it, out. It, yeah, it, otherwise, it. I'd be giving him love. I'd say, well, yeah. here's the stat from Eddie Garrison. And maybe maybe there's a few other well, times I would guess that's the been the case. Are, and I could be dead wrong on this. I guess they're not a super high free throw attempt team. I, yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean probably they're not, not a, like, recklessly attacking the basket no, sort of team. No, but that's a low number. That's a really low number. It is. It's not like Turner draws a ton of fouls either. Again, no update on Aaron. No, Aaron Neesmith still. He was listed as questionable. Progress uh, is what Rick Carlisle said before the game, but we still have yet to see him. That We're is two now weeks a now. Yeah. Two week well, plus it's a two-week injury. injury. It does sound like Doug McDermott could be missing a few games with that calf injury for him. So That's not going to work out, right? A couple of things to note I mean, with him. I mean, is McDermott, you think, I don't know, we get later, even later in the season, postseason. Yeah, we is shooters, he given anything at this point? I think you never just totally write them off because, you know, again, for a shooter, it's just, hey, if you make two or three shots one game, all of a sudden, boom. Sure. You've done your job off the bench here. And, you know, I, I don't think, like, it's gotten to the point where they all of a sudden aren't going to give McDermott another chance. I mean, there's still 20 games left, 20-plus games left in the season. Um, but uh, do not expect him, it sounds like, for a couple of games. Again, at Pelicans Friday, at Spurs on Sunday. And, again, a happy 24th birthday, leap day birthday to Tyrese Halliburton here. The uh, the Pacers averaged 21 free throws per game. Oh, wow. That's, so, that's I mean, a little so, higher. Yeah, so they were I, well. I, I, knew, I, I figured they would be well under. I, I don't know. I just saw that. I was looking at them like, wow, nine free throws uh, is, uh, is, is not very much, especially for a team that's so good offensively, right? So with that win, they climbed to what, like five or six probably in the stand? It's just crazy uh, how they one went, win right yeah, they now went up, means. I believe I looked at it this morning. They went up one spot. Oh, only one? They went up to seven. Yeah, they passed actually or. Orlando. Uh, they're a half game ahead of Orlando, one in the win column. And again, Orlando is the one team right now around Indiana that has the head-to-head no matter what. They've won two of the three games already in this series for this season. The Pacers have the head-to-head over the Knicks. They have the head-to-head over the Sixers. They could have the head-to-head over Miami. There's still one game left in that series. That will be critical as well. But again, this time of year, uh, standings watching the Eastern Conference is rampant. All right, in about 20 minutes, Chris Ballard is going to join us live here at the NFL Combine. So we're kind of rerouting our normal 9 o'clock hour plan. If you usually listen to us during this hour, we're kind of take the front chunk that we usually commit and move that to the back end so we can have as much time as possible with the Colts GM. Setting the scene here at the convention center, uh, defensive prospects going to work out this afternoon. We've got guys meeting the media on the opposite curtain. If you're on the YouTube stream right now, you can see the curtain on the other side of us. Uh, defensive players and tight ends as well today. So that would mean one Brock Bowers, I would guess. That's going to draw quite the crowd when Brock Bowers meets the media at 10 a.m. today. You want to try to run over there? You get off the air, throw your yeah, headset down, so. tell yeah. Cam to clean up, and uh, you got to go over there and do a little journalism. 
Get a a shot. Ask some questions to Brock Bowers. It's funny. I remember doing this exercise last year with the quarterbacks. You know, the quarterback. I think tomorrow the quarterbacks are going to meet the media during our show. So, you know, you'll you'll have the Caleb Williams flurry and all of that. And I remember I told Jake, hey, uh, let me go over there, you know, for about five, ten minutes, get the lay of the land, and then I'll come back and report what you see. And I want to say the first thing I said to him when I sat down was, holy bleep, Anthony Richardson could start for the Pacers right now. Oh, and a power forward? That yeah. was my first. And I don't know, maybe Bryce huge. Young was on the podium before Anthony well, Richardson. Well, yeah, that's a comparison. But the other thing that stood out to me was I listened to Stroud and Richardson, and even Bryce, but I would say Stroud and Richardson more so than, than Bryce Young. And Will Levis, frankly, fell into the boat of Richardson and Stroud. Uber, uber confident mm-hmm. individuals in their own different mm-hmm. ways, but very, very confident uh, in their respective manners. So, um, yeah, I would assume tomorrow Caleb Williams will have the the throng of throng, and the Chicago Bears media will be abundant now, with those questions. Now the the, uh, the Titans people are in front of us. I mean, they're uh-huh. going to be asking about Bauer saying he he wants to go play in Nashville, right? Uh-huh, I forgot about like that. that's got to yeah. be their main thing today, right? All the Nashville people. That I mean, that's got to be their thing. But again, with Bowers, it's not the physically imposing guy that really stands out. You know, he, he when you yeah. take a picture of him at the podium, yeah, it's not going to wow you. This is not six seven two forty. <laughs> This is a well, guy that just he looks different. It. He looks different than Jelani Woods. He, yes, he looks different than yes. Bo Alicox, Jelani Woods. Bowers, Bowers might be. Uh, he might even be balding a little bit already. I think he might have some of the college like he's balding. Then he puts a helmet on and he's ten catches running away from people, uh, stiff army people, uh, and everything else. You gonna so. go ask him that question? Are you balding, sir? Well, no. Uh, I think you he'll need, have no hat. Here, Indy, you can come yeah, here to the go. pyramids on the northwest side. Yeah. My name's Kevin so, Bowen. 317-522. Go, go to the Bowen's VIP page, man. Get it taken care of. 100%. There you go. Yeah, I'm gonna. I I tried to yell that down to Cody Zeller last night, or at least I was gonna have Cam yell that down to Cody Zeller last night. I just I, at I the, uh, every at time the I see game. Cody Zeller, I think like I gotta make the hair joke, and you went to it, and you you beat me to it. So thank you for that. Yeah, Cody but, Brock Bowers probably. But, a bit by of a the similar. way, what was what did Jake fill time with while you went and listened to the quarterbacks? Did he go straight to IndyCar? Do you, do you guys have Mark? Do you, do you remember at all? I thought my credential was in my car and or in my bag. I, I Mark, Boy, he's got to be tired of hearing that. You guys have been crushing him this week over him forgetting the credential last year. Do well, between that and Kevin am, picking though. a poo at the at the uh, training camp, we, we really sprayed to all fields last year. Animal dung. Yeah. Animal dung, the proper crusty animal dung, mm-hmm. dung I believe. Which you thought Ugh. were grass clippings. I did. They were, yeah. What did uh, you pick? What did you pick it up again? In, in like a, like, I just wanted my like bare a, hands. Like a t-shirt or. By the way, Eddie Garrison has come through. Hang on. Nine free throw attempts, the fewest on the season. There you go. Look Thank you, Eddie Garrison. See? Eddie Garrison. Service with a smile. Audit per usual. Chris Bauer joining us here in about 15 minutes. All right, yeah, your morning check down. Reminder, Chris Ballard, Colts GM, set to join us here in about 15 minutes or so. Uh, but a good night last night, a much-needed night. Good win for the Pacers, 123-114. Your final postgame, Rick Carlisle on the importance of the win. It's a massively important win. You know, it's this time of year, you know, each game has such, has such great meaning. So really happy for the guys. Um, and now, you know, we go on a road trip where it's going to be the same thing. Each game is huge. 
Yeah, three and one homestand concludes with last night. You know, mentioned it out of the break, Andy. The first seven games I thought were pretty manageable. You didn't play a lot of. I think none of these teams are top five in their respective conferences. Uh, can you get to five and two? Can you get to six and one in those seven here? Siakam twenty four last night. You had nine guys play. Everyone scored at least eight. Really, really strong balance there. And again, Halliburton was sluggish early, but when you needed him to make the plays down the stretch, he did that third wire-to-wire win of the season. The Pacers will see the Pelicans coming up on Friday night again. It is one of those two games in three days against one opponent. And we'll see about Aaron Neesmith. Mm-hmm. Uh, questionable last night, did not play. We'll see if he's any closer coming up as that absence now has extended two-plus weeks. All right, last night inside of Hinkle Fieldhouse, Andy Sweeney was, and that was your first Hinkle experience, or no? Oh no, I had been in Hinkle before. I not okay. now. I had not been. When did they actually renovate it? Because I don't know if I have been there. You know, I probably haven't been there in a decade. I don't mind saying it, but uh, I've been in Hinkle several times. And, uh, yeah, appreciate everyone having me out. Appreciate Drew and company with Butler having me out. Well, I'm not sure Fantastic. if they want you to come back after their performance last night. 82-59, they lose, and you can speak to this pretty well. That second half, it got yeah. away from them really quickly. They were down six at half, uh, but like the Creighton game, if you go back a few weeks ago at home, I think Butler actually had a halftime lead against Creighton in that one. But very similar. The second half, all of a sudden, uh, Butler just run out of their own building. Yeah, they did. Again, 43-26 uh, in that second half. Butler is going to need to win now uh, the Big East, uh, I think, uh, to, to make the NCAA tournament. And we'll see. I, I kind of had left oh, you St. John's win, for win, win the Big East? I, Boy, I think I, so. I, I mean, at least get to the final. Don't yeah. you think so? I mean, definitely get on a serious run. But the beauty of the, about the Big East tournament is you're going to get well, I mean, quad one wins. three tournament yeah. teams on neutral Everything's going to be a quad one win. As for St. John's, you know, now they've won three straight. So they probably go back on the bubble. Now 500 in the conference. They've won three straight uh, ever since Patino dogged his team. Patino was looking good last night. He had a, did have a, a nice contingency. It was a good crowd last night. Uh, I thought it hinkle, so it was a fun night. But again, Butler losers, 82-59. Uh, let me give you one more, Chris Ballard. Obviously, we'll talk with him coming up here in the next 10, 12, 15 minutes or so. Uh, but he did meet with the media yesterday at the podium. Uh, you've heard a lot of that sound the last several hours here on the fan. Here's Ballard on Michael Pittman Jr., obviously one of the bigger conversation pieces as we're here at Live at the Combine. We've had talks with his agent, who's really good. His agent's uh, been doing it a long time. He's really good at what he does. Um, we'll work hard to get a deal done. It's a tool we have. Uh, I'm not going to say we're not going to use it, but I'm not going to say we are. Hopefully we can come to an agreement and find some compromise on a deal. On a follow-up later, definitively, he did say that Michael Pittman Jr. will be back. How that looks, still some loose ends to tie up exactly franchise tag or a long-term deal. So we'll chat with Chris Ballard about that, but much, much more. Again, I think a little bit bigger picture stuff with the Colts GM coming up in about 10 minutes today at the Combine. Defensive players work out. Those begin at 3 o'clock on NFL Network for those wanting to check that out. So those are probably the big items. Brock Bauer is going to meet the media here in about a half hour as well. So some of the big things on the docket combine-wise. Uh, Scotty hit us up. No pop quiz today. Scotty says the last Hinkle renovations were 2014. 
So that that that's pro- that's right. probably yeah, it was probably right before then. I did West think Jim touch up there. I, I did think as well, uh, Mark. You know, we were texting back and forth. Mark's like, "Do you want me just to tell Scotty no pop quiz today?" In the back of my mind, I knew we were never going to do this, but I mean, it would have been funny to do the pop quiz with Chris Ballard. You know, this day in 1940, the Red Sox. You know, dot dot dot. I, again, no one wanted, would want to hear that conversation, but for comedy, it would have been funny. To do that, it's, you know that interesting way to describe and, funny. Yeah, to hell, to hell with the wide receiver talk. To hell with Michael Pittman talk. Yeah, let's talk about 1940s baseball. Warren Spahn's yeah, let's, let's stepdaughter's grand. Yeah, let's let's, let's yeah. talk some NASCAR as part of the uh, pop quiz. She invents here. <laughs> uh, last another item of note. Shout out to the down this road here. Shout out to the Sycamores of Indiana State. They are Missouri Valley champs here in 2024 for the first time since 2000. Uh, They win last night in Evansville, 85-67. So senior day coming up for the Sycamores this weekend, but they have already clinched a share of the Mo Valley tournament. So great season there. And in all likelihood, I I, I assume that it's just going to come down to winning the Missouri Valley, yeah, three I mean, don't, games. Don't you feel? Don't you feel that way? Days. Yeah, you don't want to flirt with any of that from a uh, uh, bubble at large situation standpoint. With how the month of February. Is uh, what? Just one other thing. We're gonna take a break here in a second. Chris Ballard set to join us. Did you happen to see the report yesterday from Ross Dellinger that they're already like they're gonna go to fourteen teams oh on the gosh. college football playoff, Awful. and Awful. it's it's gonna grant three automatic qualifiers to the Big Ten and the SEC which is going to be more than the other conferences. The Big 12 and the ACC uh, are only, are only going to get to. Can we not just enjoy the 12 <laughs> for a while? But I do love that like, they're just throwing it in your face. Instead of having some committee or computer program say, we're going to put more Big 10 or SEC teams in there, they're going to write that into the rule book that the SEC is going to start in the Big Ten. They're going to start with three teams, and then they're still going to get uh, automatic qualifiers. I, think uh, I just found that Irish to be funny. Either. Only three at-large teams? That doesn't sound very good for my Irish. Yeah, three at – well, they're always going to be one. Come on. You know that. You just said yeah, there's going to be you, another Big Ten, another SEC team. Well, no, that, I mean, but I, think they, I think they would be one of those teams. Like, uh, you would still get the kiss is what I'm trying to say. On the other side, the GM of the Colts, Chris Ballard, joins us next. <clears throat> All right, so back at it. We're live from the Combine. Uh, Chris Ballard going to join us here in a second. In fact, I just saw him walk in. Uh, so there is your GM of the Indianapolis Colts. We'll talk with him uh, here in just a second. You know, I, met, I mentioned this with Matt Taylor, uh, and even uh, for Chris, it's um, – such a difference from last year to this year, the conversations around the Colts. Oh, massively. Uh, uh, you mentioned you know, not only the success of the season being right there on the cusp of making the playoffs, but the conversation around the roster itself, the conversation around the most important position, the quarterback position uh, as well. So uh, whether it be media, you know, hacks like us, or it be the general manager uh, of the Colts, it's just a total different conversation than 365 days ago. Yeah, I would really say is. last year, like 80-some percent, 90-some percent of the questions he got at his podium session were quarterback-related. What was even number two last year oh, for gosh, you guys? I, I mean, Steichen, I mean, I, I yeah, mean obviously sure. the, the head coach stuff was part you of know, it. Probably but, a couple draft, random combine stuff, but you know, certainly yesterday the tone of it was much different. I mean, there are a couple of Anthony Richardson. Sure. 
related rehab questions, and we played those clips earlier, but uh, a far, far different tone. And I said it to Matt Taylor when he joined us earlier in the show. Uh, you know, when you think about it, um, what, year three? I'm trying to do the years in my head here. This is year eight of Ballard being the GM. Year three is what you got to go back to. 2019 is the last time. That would have been Andrew exiting, Andrew Luck exiting the 2018 season. You know, comeback player of the year and Colts make the playoffs. And, you know, they win in Houston and all of that. That's the last time he probably has not really had to talk about the long-term answer at quarterback. And even 2017 and 2018, you still were chatting about, uh, you know, Luck's health situation. Oh, sure. With where he was at in those respective shoulder Injuries. So, yeah, Chris Powell going to join us here in just a second. You want me to move, Nick? You want me to move this? We're, we're staging things for when uh, for when Chris sits down. I didn't know if we wanted table my, two here. If we if we wanted my water bottle to be uh, you know prominent in the in the shot on something that's going to go uh, on the website uh, and everything else. So, uh, so yeah, Ballard's here. We're waiting for him. Basically, we're we're in a, we're in a holding pattern right now. It's like clouds over the sky. We're an airplane. We're just we're circling Indianapolis right now. That's what we're doing. Prospects working out later today for those unfamiliar with the combine schedule coming up three o'clock defensive guys uh that will start uh later today uh yeah. and then again the big day will be saturday with quarterbacks and wideouts andy sweeney in in the building oh boy all right so completely uh, Hey, Chris Ballard sitting down. He's giving us hell because you thought we is, were the Patriots. Well, no, it's, it, here? it's not. It's not our fault. But they did. They sat us next to the New England Patriots. How no, are you, Connie, sir? Connie, I'm good. No, Connie, he's pointing me this direction. I said, "What the freak is this? We're going to the evil empire." Right they want to chat with you next. You'll just slide. Yeah, yeah we, we're stuck between the Titans and the New England Patriots. How about that? We got the Jags to our right. Well, it's good, uh, good to meet you, yeah. uh, General Manager Chris Ballard, with us here uh, as we're hanging out live at the combine i feel like i'm contractually obligated because uh, I'm, a, I'm a media member to ask you about michael pittman jr and no, just uh, those conversations uh, what he means to the organization i'll ask you this is there more pressure because you know everyone's watching this one because of what he means on the field off the field he's obviously uh, a great player for you guys how are those conversations going and maybe a little bit more pressure what michael pittman means to the indianapolis colts no i mean i mean look I mean, I think we all know Pitt's a really good football player, and he fits us, he fits what we do, fits our culture of what we're doing internally. Um, the, his agent is, he's got a really good agent. He's been great through this entire process. Um, and it, it's just one we just, we'll just continue to work. Um, we'll work especially through the next, this next few days and into next week to see if we can get something done. Um, I'm encouraged about where we're at, but we still got a little work to do on it. You feel like you're close on a long-term deal? Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if you ever feel like you're close until the actual contract signed. I learned that a long time ago. Um, it's, but you, you, you think you are, and then it's they're always delicate with negotiations, um, and you just diligently work through. Mike Bloom does an incredible job for us, um, and he kind of knows where, you know, what we have available from a financial standpoint um, and then plus the other things we want to do and trying to fit it all in he does a tremendous job and that's always part of the equation so but we're optimistic about where we're at and I assume if you don't get that long-term deal done by Tuesday you would tag him it's a it's a tool we have hopefully we get something done 
never had to use it before. Um, and hopefully we get something done before that moment. So if you don't get something done Tuesday, you would let it play didn't, out? Until- didn't I answer this question yesterday? I mean, that's just loaded. It's like I can't give a right. I can't give the a tag deadline is is Tuesday. Yeah. Is, is it, it long term deal or Hopefully we get something done. Chris Ballard with us here uh, on the Wake Up Call. Uh, a showdown here. I'm in the middle between you and Bowen. By the way, we, we do have a clip of you saying freaking Bowen several years ago. So you probably have no, you probably have no idea. My, my, oh, no. I so, say that all the time. Well, see, <laughs> at, at, at some point, uh, we may need you. So and, it, my, and it usually doesn't start. It doesn't, the second letter is not usually an R. We have a dumb bun. It's been used. Uh, R- R- Rick Carlisle has put our dumb bun oh, yeah. to use uh, in, the, in the last several weeks. I was going to say, my last name's Sweeney. We may need a freaking Sweeney. Uh, we can, we can kind of, we can kind of uh, mash them together. Just uh, ask questions about White House. Well, you'll get it. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you, there, there you go. That, that'll be that. We'll, 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 we'll keep that to the end uh, of the interview. Uh, obviously, talking about uh, Anthony Richardson, you were asked about him yesterday, uh, not pushing that. Uh, it's good that his rehab is going well. How does he look, and how have the conversations been where you make sure that he's not doing too much too early? No, that's, that's a good question. I mean, his doctor's been heavily involved. You know, Dr. Elitrosh did it out in, in California, and he's he's been a, a, a great resource just from a checking standpoint. All right, are we making sure we're hitting the benchmarks that we need to hit? We're not moving, you know, too slow, but also moving at the right pace. Um, and then between him and our rehab team and then a couple other people that he has that he's been working with for a few years, um, there's been really good communication and dialogue to what, you know, where we want Anthony to be at this point, then plus when we get to April, May, June, um, and we're in a good place right now. Will there be anything different, like, mechanically with him? No. It'll be all... No, no. There won't be any changes. The the good thing is uh, there wasn't structurally anything wrong with the shoulder, much different than Andrew's case, where Andrew, you know, had a torn labrum, so a much different rehab than Andrew's was. And it's not as quite... It's a... It's a it's a serious surgery, but it's not near as labor intensive in terms of the surgery when it you know when it's not a labrum, not a torn ligament. He is Chris Ballard. He's here with us live at the convention center, year eight for the Colts GM. You seem to express a good amount of regret yesterday about the wideout position, um, and, and, and I'm paraphrasing here, but maybe the lack of whatever support you gave Reggie Wayne and that staff last year, coupled with you're really bullish on this year's draft depth at wideout. Could you expand a little bit on the regret from last year and not giving that group enough? It it wasn't as – the regret came like when Dueling came – you know, when you lose a good player, it's hard to replace that guy. And so kind of – and look, some of those guys, they gave us some good snaps and did some good things, but finding consistency out of that number four and number five is something we're looking – you know, looking to make sure we shore up. Getting Dueling back will help. His rehab's gone really well. Um – it was a freak. It was a freak accident, you know, with the ACL. I mean, I remember watching the tape over and over again going, how did this happen? He's on grass, and he just makes a, I mean, he just makes a, a post cut, hmm. and, you know, the knee gives out on him. So, you know, just a little bit of bad luck in that circumstance. And then, you know, the depth part of it, finding, finding a guy that, you know, like Doolin's, Doolin's value is that, one, he plays on, he's a core t- special teamer. 
Um, he does a lot of the dirty work, um, you know, at wideout, and he can do it from three different spots. And I always felt that he was one of the most undervalued players we kind of had just because of that that role. Uh, Zach Pascal filled it, you know, for a few years, and then Doolin kind of stepped into that role. So having a your number four is really has to be able to play multiple spots and give you snaps on teams. Um, you, and I'm telling you, that's a unique thing when you got a guy like Doolin that can do all of them. That's a that's got all pro Pro Bowl talent as a as a teamer. Then also fill in if he's got to play wide out and actually start a game or two. Um, you're still in good shape with him. And you feel this this crop in this draft is. You know, might might compare to that 2020 group that yeah. might have what four or five Hall of Famers in that crop. Well, I don't want to stamp them as Hall of Famers <laughs> yet, but they're very. Ta- it's a very talented deep group, which is good. I look at wideout again. Chris Bowd with us here at at the combine. You know, Josh Down seems to be the ideal complement to what you have in that room. How much is getting a little bit more yard after catch? Yeah, I, I mean, at? I think as he gets, I mean, he's still a young player and even from a physical development standpoint he's still young you know his body's still maturing and I think that you know as he gets stronger um, and then plus he adjusts to how people are playing him like when you start watching the tape the second part of the season you know people were trying to take Josh away I mean he became really a dangerous you know weapon for for the offense and you know especially on you know on money downs when you when you got to have it so we we and I and like I, I think we've designated him as a slot only, but I thought some of there were times last year where he showed he could play outside too. Um, so we think he's got great versatility. He's got really good upside. You know, Josh, and he's a he's everything you want. Like he works, he cares, he's tough, he fights through things. Like all the stuff you like about him is why he's going to be a good player. You expect Grover and Julian Black, uh, Blackman to be back? Well, I think with all, I think with all our free agents. Um, you know, we've had good discussions with all their agents. Um, you'd like to say absolutely, like to have everybody back, you know, but that's not always realistic. Um, what, at the end of the day, uh, whoever we do end up getting back are the ones that we were able to kind of fit in the plan of what we have to try to, you know, shape this team for next year. And, you know, even the guys we don't, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out and sometimes they get more money at another place that we just weren't able to do. So we'll see how that works Would out. Would you say the realistic nature to it is you want to do something else and if you bring those top four back, if you will, that can kind of hamstring you a bit? I think you always try to get your own guys back first. I mean, that's always the priority. One, because you know them and they know you. All right? So there's – it's one of the funny things with – with, and especially – and I think the fan base, I think the media, I think even internally, like you always see your own players and you see kind of the warts on them. And, and, but, and then you see the shiny object in free agency – that you've never lived with and you don't know the warts and I think that's always a kind of a balance that it doesn't mean you dislike the player but you well you know maybe if we go get this other guy that's a free agent you know you know maybe he'll he'll fill the role better and he's a shinier new object but that's not always the case and we're always going to lean towards trying to do whatever we can to bring our own guys back sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't
He's the general manager of your uh, Indianapolis Colts. Chris uh, Ballard here with us on the wake-up call on the fan. Uh, your tight end room, the last few years you put a lot of draft picks into that tight end room. Uh, Jelani Woods, uh, it's terrible the setback he had this year, not being able to play. Maybe not a deep draft class this year uh, at tight end. You could talk to that, but what do you make of your tight end room? How much work do you think needs to be done there? Yeah, I mean, look, we were, I think in totality, it was a. It's a. It ended up being a productive room for us. I mean, I think when you add up kind of what everybody did together, it ended up being a productive room. Do we necessarily have? You know, I said this yesterday. You know, we don't necessarily have a, a Kittle or a or a Kelsey, um, but we have really good players in that they all have a little bit different skill set and what they can do. And they get points in the season. They all made a play that helped us. You know, from from uh, Granson who is sometimes I don't he even for being an undersized guy really battles as a blocker Mallory who you know one we got to stay healthy and get him get him a little stronger but he did some really unique things in the passing game uh, that we liked and created some mismatches that that were really good um, and then you talk about Mo who you know all Mo does is show up and and do whatever he's asked to do and do it at a at a good level um, so in terms of the room and then then when you talk about Jelani who's really Really got is, is really got a unique skill set because you know because of his length and his ability to run and stretch the field he's really good when you're talking about the the shallows the seam routes uh, the dovers the long crossers that you can run with him and he's a big target for the quarterback uh, so getting him back will be a big ad okay, Chris Bauer is with us here live at the combine again inside of the convention center Chris year three it will be for Gus Bradley in this defensive scheme what is it about Gus's scheme that that, that you like and you and Shane wanted to retain? Well, I mean, we've, you know, after year one, you know, with him, and we had a bunch of, I want to say we we had a group coming off, a, you know, a tough 21 season where it didn't end the way we wanted um, with a, a lot of veteran players. And, we, you know, we ended up signing Gilmore and had mm-hmm. some vets. And then we said, you know what, we're going to start, we're going to go back and try to get younger and develop those. So the simplicity, one, um, and that's where I would think that it's been fun to watch. Gus is smart now. He is a smart man. He's a smart coach. Um, I thought he did a really good job adjusting some things last year to what we had, and then we'll continue to build on it. Um, you know, we've done some good things. We've got to eliminate the explosives. I think we all know that. Um, that, that you know, making a team have to earn it down the field is a big part of this game. When you give, when you, I mean, we'll play great defense for 50 snaps in a game but there's seven or eight that you know will give up a play and so we've we've got to eliminate that some of that was youth um and you know some of it was you know these guys just hasn't been in these situations so i think they'll get better um i did think there was areas we didn't we did improve we're pretty good on third down um the red zone was better not where we want it and that's an area we got to take even a, a better a bigger step for we'll always be front driven um you've got to keep nine ten guys in the stable um that can rotate in and take snaps where those other guys can can you know really give the max effort when they're in the game you know that's always the that's always and that's hard you know to have nine or ten i thought last year was a really good group i mean i thought that what you know between you know you got your first four then you have your second wave of guys and there's some young guys we're excited about like i still think quitty and dio will take a whole nother i think there's more another step they can really take i think eric johnson will continue to prove from a small school we picked up a kid from dallas last year 
that kind of got glossed over was Isaiah Lamb that we think has real upside as a rusher. And I think you saw he was only active for five or six games last year, but when he was active, we saw some really good things out of him. He just, you know, small school, young, needed, really needed a year of work, and it'd be fun to watch his development this offseason. Chris Ballard with us here uh, on the Wake Up Call on the fan. Uh, we've done a lot of position stuff. I-, I wanted to ask you this because one thing that kind of struck me, you know, fans, after a loss, people, you know, people get angry. And I'm, and I'm talking about, you know, the heartbreaker, obviously losing to Houston at the end of the year. You had that press conference after the season. You talked for like 45 minutes, an hour or so. And I thought the end, you kind of bared your heart out, your soul almost, uh, where you're like, you know, hey, that game was on Saturday. I came in here on Sunday, and I was alone in the facility. Um, what was that day, that night, and that next day when you're in the facility and you know you were right there from making the postseason? What's going through your mind? Kind of what's the emotion as you're sitting there in an empty facility and you're alone in your office? It's, um, you know, anytime you get that close you know the division title on the line then you don't finish it out and look it's happened you know in 21 when we didn't finish it out at the end of the year and then in 23 we don't finish it out um and it was a and and what i will say about the game like it was a heck of a game versus houston which you know you look at it you know kind of hindsight now i mean houston was playing really good football Mm -hmm. at the time i mean they went and beat up they bit the i mean they handled cleveland pretty easily in that playoff game and then you know really for a half gave baltimore a good run um and it was a heck of a football game and at the end of the day you know they made you know one or two more plays than than we made and that (laughs) that can be a a tough pill to swallow but one you have to swallow Mm -hmm. you can't just ignore you know that you didn't get it done and that's a frustrating it's frustrating but the things i was encouraged about was to watch our team compete the intensity watching a lot of these young players compete that was encouraging for the future um i suck handling loss like it's mm-hmm. like game day i'm the worst there's <laughs> nobody i mean i turn into like the fans have no idea like i turn into them and if like if they saw it they would go oh, okay that's that's how i act too except they're probably not punching walls and throwing <laughs> chairs against the, against the <laughs> Sitting in front of you in the Cincinnati press box, I was reminded about. That. Was, there a chair, was there a chair thrown in that in that Texans game? No, no. that was pretty good. Okay. That was pretty good. Okay. That one was pretty good. But like fans don't of- fans don't see that. They see the result. But I mean, you're in there the mm-hmm. next day. This is your livelihood, and it's like you were that close, and yeah. you know you were that close. Yeah, and look, I mean, that's the that's the great thing about our league. It is so co- like the difference between six wins and eleven oh, wins. It's unbelievable. Is it could be six or seven plays in a in a season. Well, think of your game with Cleveland earlier in the season. Yeah. I mean, literally, ah, well, you may not want to, yeah. I mean, a call here or there, a play here or there. Try not to get yeah, fined sorry. here on yeah. this uh, Thursday morning at the Combine. We are live I don't quite combine. have Mr. Ursay's stroke. <laughs> we are live here at the Combine. Chris Ballard is with us. Chris, year eight for you. I don't need to remind you of these numbers, but it's one playoff win. It's zero division titles yep. in your era. Why don't you feel like you've had more success? I think you, Kevin, I think you know me well enough to know I'm like either you get it done or you don't. I'm not going to sit here and ever. The easy thing would be to make an excuse and look at the end of the day, not getting the quarterback position right has hampered it. And that falls on me. I don't fall on anybody else but, but me. And it's something that, 
you know, you you learn and you grow from. Uh, I think we've done good with Anthony. Now, I think time will play out. Play out. Um, but my failures in that space and with a with a position that's so important, um, you have to get that right. You have to have a guy that that can that can actually you know lead you and make plays in critical moments um that's the great separator in our league i think you see it every year in the playoffs i think you see it with teams that really excel and go forward they have a guy at that position that you know when the game's on the line or when there's there's real leverage points in the game where you need to make a play he makes a play do you view roster building as there are positions that are more premium than others that's a that's a good question i mean look i think you know me by now i think the front both O-line and D-line are critical to win in this league. I do. And I'm not taking anything away from the other positions, but I think as the season goes on, it shows up more and more. Teams that are good up front, usually at least it gives you a chance each and every Sunday. I think we've all seen when you're not good up front, the result of that. Unless you have just a true magician back there at quarterback that can, that can somehow overcome it. But I always – my mindset has always been that way. And, look, I learned that from a long time back in Chicago and then and then looking at what Coach Reed. I mean, Andy, that was one of the things Andy always – I mean, you never go short up front. And you look at how their team's built. I mean, mm-hmm. it is – you know, it's yeah, quarterback no and then it's up front. I mean, and I just think in the long run that still wins in our league. Last one from me. You mentioned explosive back about a month and a half ago. You want to get – more explosive how much of that is simply you just think the presence of number five under center gives you that and how much of that is no we need to go outside the building and make sure we do a little bit more there too well unequivocally i think the the quarterback's going to help i think it showed when he was when he was in the game um you know his i mean like i thought one of the really cool and it sucks that we didn't finish it out but the but the ram game I thought, like in the second half, I, you know, you're, we play like crap in the first half, and and credit to the Rams. I mean, they kicked the shit out. I mean, excuse me, they kicked the crap Mark, out dump, of us. Dump that, Mark. Yeah, please, thank yeah, you. Scratch that one out. They they kicked the crap out of us in the first half, but the explosives that he was able to create in the second half was really fun to watch. But when you have, like, that's the one thing about like Jonathan Taylor. Like Jonathan can turn a a one two yard run into a 40 50 yard run having you know making sure we we add another element to the offense that's really good after the catch that can create the play that's not not there Chris Ballard with us here. And by the way, the Jonathan Taylor, that Houston game, one of his, uh, yeah. no doubt, f- finer games. Uh, need to ask you this. Um, you know, you don't have to give up too much, but, you know, free agency, draft, all this is happening. Uh, how much contact have you had with Mr. Ursay uh, in that? How are those conversations? Is obviously he's getting uh, over his illness yeah. that he's been dealing with. I actually talked for 30 minutes last night. Um, and he's good. It was. It's really good. No, he is like Mr. Arce is always going to be involved. Um, I mean, it's one of the things I really appreciate about him is that he's done this job before, so he understands the the ups and downs of it. He understands the, 
you know, the negotiating part of it. Sure. Um, and of course I lean on him. And so we had a, a great talk last night. I kept him abreast. We'll talk again here when the combine's over and kind of tell him, okay, here's where I think we're at and here's where we're going. Um, but all good. Colts GM Chris Ballard. Chris, we don't want to keep you any longer. I know Brock Bauer's about to meet the media, and I'm sure you're a fan of wanting to hear that, right? <laughs> I, think, I think Kevin wants to go over there and uh, get a glance of him I as well. I mean, like, I've never seen a guy flip. Y'all would, ca- I mean, from Mr. Wideout to now Mr. Tight End. Pass I mean, catcher. it's a. He it's a he wants no, pass hey, hold on. You okay. saw the hold on. Hold on here. Now here. it's a pass. Okay, so now we've redefined it as pass catcher. Bowen, he's a hybrid. He's Hybrid. The pass yeah. catchers. Yeah. Kelsey Kittle, <laughs> Mark Andrews. Chris, thank you for the time. Thank Appreciate you. It. I know you're busy, man. This week. Right. Freaking Sweeney. There we go. There we go. That is the Colts GM, Chris Ballard, with us here at the convention center. Again, uh, defensive guys working out here at the Combine. Thank you to Matt Conti from the Colts for that as well. Uh, Brock Bowers, uh, the throng of media has been stumbling into the yeah. convention center, uh, and he's going to meet the media here. In about five minutes. That was good stuff from him, I Uh, thought. Any biggest takeaways from about 20 minutes there with the Colts GM? Yeah, boy, I I, I don't know. Whenever he mentions building from the line, the line of scrimmage, it just – it always makes me think of what I, I think we want them to do with that 15th pick, and that's take a defensive lineman. That that would that would be one. And I don't know. I mean, I, I just wanted to know about the you know the human side of it. Is you nearly make the postseason, you nearly win the division, and you know, uh, and, and you don't, and then you're sitting there the next day. That's an empty feeling, and then you gotta you know you gotta start the process all over again and build another team. Did I hear a little adding something after the catch there late? You you, you heard some adding okay. after the catch. All right. All you right. some adding after the catch. You know, you, you know where I stand on that. Listen, I mean, they, listen Can this I one, steal the sports I, arousal phrase from I, JMV on that? I like that. I got no problem with that. Uh, you know, certainly the Jim Mercer news item, you know, talking yep. with him for 30 minutes last night. I thought that was smart by you to make sure we got that question in there. I wanted to throw some big picture stuff at him. You know, I, I think of a debate that I've brought up often uh, without speaking to him, of course, directly on air is I don't feel like they found the answers at the premium positions enough. And, you know, he specifically mentioned quarterback. And when I asked him the the era question of, of why you haven't had more success, but um, again, I think you could throw in kind of the premium positions on top of that. And again, he would differ a little bit, I think, on what you'd label probably as premium positions. But, you know, there's been misses at corner. There's been misses, misses at pass rusher, certainly. You know, wide out, it feels like you found something with Pittman. But of course, I think you need more there. You know, left tackle post Anthony Costanzo took a couple of years. But again, Bernard Ryman to me is an absolute hit with that. Uh, and then obviously the quarterback situation speaks for itself. So that'll be up on the podcast coming up here. In How do we minutes. look on video, Cotton? We look good? Everything look okay? okay? We did not get the hat question in. I did well, want to ask him about the hat. Yeah, you're right. We he didn't. was rocking the same hat, though. Yeah, he, he had a little. Now, he did go over to where Brock Bowers is meeting the media, right? I think so. Did I not see yeah, that? Yeah, he walked okay. He walked that way. Now, yeah. is he more national well, media over there that he's going to next, or is this you, wait, to you, get a glimpse think, at his you future you, tight is he end? Go on, is he going to go on with, like, Florio or something? Oh, XM, ah, serious XM. Got it, That's got your it, boy, Charlie it. Weiss. There you go. The well, decided schematic advantage. Nice to throw a bone to the local media yeah. before a little bit of the hey, national. Yeah, there, there, we, there we go. Appeal so. off of that. I, I think it's all in all covered pretty much what I wanted. You know, he was it certainly didn't want to give much about the Pittman answer. It's odd to me that, you know, he did. Are you going to tag him or not? Like, or is it long-term deal or you'll, you'll let it play out? till the deadline. That was interesting. He wouldn't answer that one to me. 
that that probably is the head scratching. Because again, other part GMs have said this yeah. about their players of like, oh no, right. if we don't get a deal yeah, we're done, tag we will tag them. Yeah. And, and, and you've got till Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday is that deadline. So just to play it out, Andy, if they don't tag him yeah. by Tuesday, if they don't, then all of a sudden that tag window is done. Right. You then have eight days till the start of free agency to get a long-term deal. Now, what it does is just, it just puts pressure. It puts now an eight-day window on the Colts to get a long-term deal done with Pittman. And if for some reason he didn't, boom, he hits the open market again. That's not my expectation, but the, that's why I wanted to throw those. Yeah, I, I just him. I can't believe that that he wouldn't tag him. Right. I, I, I can't believe I, I know it's not something that he does, but he says it's a tool that we have. Well, are you ever going to use the tool? Right. If it's a tool, tool that you have, use the tool would, would kind of be uh, would kind of be my, my thought process. Again, if you missed that, it'll be up on the podcast center. The Pittman stuff was obviously right at the very beginning. That's the main story here uh, as the Colts are at the combine. All right. We're going to wrap it up here from the combine. Thank you to Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. Thank you to Chris Ballard for joining us. That'll be up on the podcast. Again, defensive prospects working out later today. Quiet night from a hoop standpoint in the state. Everybody have a great Thursday. We'll talk to you tomorrow, our final day at the Combine.